When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Recorded live. And we don't give a fuck about a devil. ORS, You are now in I don't like you devil. Y'all be doing that evil shit. I don't like these wines. Nope. Nope. Melanated is the only thing that I like. Filthy parasite, parasite. Out for your life and they murder every night. I don't like these wines. No, I don't, nigga. I do not serve these crackers, so I says what I like. Niggas know I'm right, know I'm right, know I'm right. Power to the people, by the fuck you do the word. This is the Fergie Fur, what the fuck did you think was gonna happen to that funky ass cracker? Get your ass off the street and put your hands down, niggas protesting in the same damn chapter. Once again, you ain't shit in the eyes of the monster that low down dirty ass cracker. But you forget about the shit and just a little bit and go back to serving your master. Gotta get that quap, niggas gotta get that quap. Power to the people, but the fuck you to the fight. 
not like me saying it, but you know a nigga's right. Power to the people, but I fight you to the white. Fuck you. Now how does it feel? 
hard to stray, but I refuse to hear the one that day your soul came my way. Shit, I was Mary J. Wheel up down to give my life my all. You said jump, I did. Then you asked for back and watch me fall. Your last words to me. Love don't live here anymore. Now you claim to see the light and want to love my core. But you see, before I'm blind to me now, I see who you are. You're the reason for my pain, why my heart's scarred. Black Power Family, BB Boy, ain't my hotel. Working with the feet on the ground radio. Trying to get our lives. We have a little problem with our, little problem with our intro music. I'm having a little problem with our intro music. We're trying to get the last one in, but it seems like it just don't want to play for us for some reason. Somehow it's going in and out, up and down. But you know that's how. That's, that's sometimes that's how I do. But we want to get this. We want to get this revolutionary yeah, music in. That ain't what I want to hear. You know, that's not what I want to hear. That's, that's not what we're moving with today. But uh, since we can't get it in, let's go ahead and set it off with a praise and that turn of glory to Garvey. Long live the spirit of Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells. Long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamer. Uh, Black Power BB48, what is do out there today, family? I know you. I know you're having a, a good time today. Uh, being that today is the uh, celebratory day of the Shining Prince, Omar Wally, aka Malcolm, you know, also known as El Malik Sebas, affectionately known as Detroit Red. You know what I'm saying? So you know, we just definitely get that salute to the. Salute to the, to the king today. 
Uh, all you know, we always send the praises up to the ancestors, and he's always one who who's in the hearts and the minds of the revolutionary nowadays. So many of us been raised up through his book, on the autobiography of Malcolm X, which was written by uh, which was written by co- coincidentally by FBI uh, like. I'm going to say direct agent, but Alex Haley worked with the beast. You know what I'm saying? Per his own words, stating even inside Malcolm's book how he how he was called by, by them people to give up information on Malcolm. So, you know, it is what it is, but we definitely celebrate our brother today. We're going to play some clips by the brother and just, um, you know, just get into the legacy of the man, where we at with it right now. Where the energy headed towards, um, and just you know, just how we can move forward with that energy that that's been spread out by the people. So now let me see here. Let me open this up, unmute the lines real quick, get this thing together. So you know, um, let me see here. We got anything right? Open this up. See who inside here. All right, well, um, Black Power, and you know, it's also as we learn, you know, as as all those to be celebrating. Every time that you celebrate the brother Malcolm on this May 19th, you must also remember, you know, uh, our minister of information, our, our brother, and my comrade is our brother Minkara, also has, um, you know, his day lines up with our brothers. So, you know, this powerful energy on this day of May 19th, um, you know, when I was coming up, it was called Knowledge Born, and, and, and you know, or anything. On the day of knowledge born, it all brings it all bring it back to knowledge. So we're going to know a lot of things today. Today is the day for us to look, listen, observe, and respect the things that are going on in our surroundings, which is one of the, uh, you know, main definitions of getting knowledge. You know what I mean? Is to look, learn, listen, and respect those things that have been given forth to you. So uh, with that being said, you know, BB for Hodi family, what it do out there? Black Power. Black Power, Black Power. What's up, brother boy? I appreciate that, man. Everybody is on tonight. I'm doing well, family. Black Power, man. Black Power. How y'all doing, man? Happy birthday, brother boy. Brother Mikarai. Happy boy day, bro. Appreciate it, family. Happy boy day to the great great ancestors. Already, I must say this. X day, baby. You know? Like I was saying, um, well, on things tank, no, no, no. On Tuesday, you know, today, today you should have a chip on your shoulder. You know, if if you're black and you live in America, and you you know you know any history of 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 blacks in America, you're gonna hear a name, you know, Malcolm X. And if you see or hear any of his lectures, the speeches, and so forth, you're gonna get that flamboyant energy. And if you know about that flamboyant energy, what best day to embark that type of energy on his born day? You see what I'm saying? So to every African. In America, on the on the planet, should have a real chip on their shoulder today. Should be very witty, you know. Should be looking for confrontation, you know, in the spirit of uh, Malcolm X. So that's something I like to bring to the table, you know. what I'm saying to get this nice thing thing Thursday started in celebration of the elders. Mhm. I say. Say I say. But you know, it's a. I'm feeling good. What's going on out there, brother? Tell me, yo. Man, everything gravy, man. You know, you know what I'm saying? Just been been celebrating the day, man. You know, enjoying it, man. I'm seeing the the love that that our people been giving to the 
to the great ancestor, man. It's beautiful to see, you know what I'm saying? Shit. Square business, you know. About back good, you know what I'm saying? You know, we, we all making memories, man. That's what we doing, you dig? Mm-hmm. Shit, last year this time, shit, I was sitting my black ass in the jail, in the jail cell, goddamn. <laughs> black power, you know what I'm saying? I'm telling them crackers, man, this black, it's Malcolm X Day, goddamn, we ain't taking no shit, you dig? <laughs> black power, you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. You know, it's uh, like you said, man, you know, the case job, it should be a day with a chip on your shoulder. You know what I'm saying? And now that you know, and, 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 and it should be a good chip. You know what I mean? You should be thinking, you know, you should be thinking about how to empower your community, but also be willing to just want to stand strong today. You, you should want to make sure that you, uh, you know, that you, um, if you can, man, if you can confront some shit, man, be confrontational. You know what I'm saying? Be relentless. And when I say confrontational, I mean that. Listen, man, you're supposed to see a see a battle that somebody's trying to get you, and you ain't supposed to run from it. You're supposed to go ahead and take it head on. You know what I mean? And that's whatever situation it is. So you know, um, I'm feeling good. It's that, it's that spirit, brother boy. It's that spirit, man. Yeah, that yeah, my spirit. Out out there, man. You know what I'm saying? This is what we walking in, man. Dude, I was walking today. I feel good. I feel good. Black power, man. Black power. Oh, I seen that too, brother. Uh, born too. Looking strong, brother. Looking real strong. Yes, sir, man. I feel good, you know what I'm saying? You know, like I said, man, it's been a while. You know what I mean? I've been in the wheelchair for like 10 years, G. You know what I'm saying? But, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm up, getting back up, at it on the grind. You know what I mean? So I'm feeling real good. Today is a good day to be up, standing outside, walking outside. You know what I'm saying? You know? I say, that's black power right there, brother boy, man. Business, man. That shit, that shit made, made me feel. That shit made me feel some kind of way, man. When I see the pictures, bro, you feel me? I was like, my nigga, man. You see? Yo, <laughs> you know, I was like I was right there with you, my nigga. Yo, yeah, man, it feels so good. Like looking at the picture of my own, like yo, man, like it's it's wild, son. Like really not, like being in the chair sitting down for that long. It throw your perspective off on how shit is. So being able to stand up and then be able to stand up and I'm outside with other, you know what I'm saying, with, with, with the homie, a daughter out there, whatever, and just to be up, standing up outside, walking down the street a little bit, just to be up outside, man, I'm telling you, man, that shit, yo, yo, man, yo, shit, man, y'all need to appreciate what you can do with yourself, man. Appreciate what exactly, you can do Exactly, man. Yourself, That's man. what I was thinking, man. That makes the nigga. Think about them small things nigga don't even be thinking about on a daily basis, bro. You feel me? Uh, on some real shit, man, like I said, man, appreciate it. Appreciate appreciate what you got going on, man. Trust. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I appreciate more and more what I got going on every day, but I done seen people who had it worse. So if you see it looking at me, man, appreciate what you got going on for yourself, man. Do something with yourself. Don't let yourself waste away, man. Don't let it happen. Don't let that shit happen, man. Don't be a useless walking person, man. You know what I mean? It's a great gift to be able to get up at any time that you want to and, and start making moves. Already. Like power, man. Be appreciative. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Be grateful. You know yeah. I mean? Yo, 
Word, word. Like, it do, it make you appreciate it. Like, yo, son, I mean, you know, I, you know, the day Malcolm Day, but I'm going to tell y'all something. I'm going to tell y'all something, man. Listen, man. Yo, son, you can't even imagine how I felt when I started wearing underwears again like a regular person. Man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I first got hit up, son, I was wearing fucking diapers like a, like a fucking, uh, like adult diapers, my G. You understand? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm wearing these motherfuckers like probably like two years over. It was longer than a year, son. It's longer than 18 months. Wearing hey. fucking pampers, my G. Fucked up. Like, yo, not knowing if I was going to shit on myself or nothing. Like, not really knowing. Not knowing my body. Not really being able to listen to my body. It took over two years for me to be able to listen to my body to be able to tell what was going on with my body. Because for a while, it was just out of whack. So shit would go on, and I wouldn't know what was happening because I wasn't used to my body reacting a certain kind of way when I had to go to the to the bathroom. So I wouldn't know what was going on. Didn't know what I could eat and couldn't eat, what would make my stomach upset, what would, you know what I mean, whatever. That shit turned my whole, it turned a whole different leap on just being able to pay attention to what's going on in certain things. Real life, man, I'm telling you, y'all got to be appreciative of what you got going on because you don't want to be shit, nigga. You can imagine the feeling being 30 years 30, 30 plus years old, you try to holler at a chicken, you got on a pepper, nigga. Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel me? But, you know what I'm saying? I ain't embarrassed by this shit like now. You know what I'm saying? Back when the first time I was like, still kind of funny, but right now, I don't give a fuck. Like, oh, it is what it is. Shit is real out here. And you don't want to be in the same situation that I ended up in. You know what I'm saying? And if you ever get in that situation, and if you ever get in that situation, I want you to know that you can come up out of that situation, man. Uh, if you're really man. don't worry about That's that power. shit. Have some motherfucking heart, man. Come up out that shit, man. Because we're like, man, it, it, it'll happen. It'll happen. Might take time, but shit, man. Time heal a lot of motherfucking wounds, man. Mm-hmm. As long as you got your feet on the ground, man. Real talk. For a business, man. And, and, and for... And for through that whole process, man, to still have, have you know what I'm saying, went about spreading knowledge yourself, even through, man, you could have been selfish, bro, through that whole shit and just thinking, whoa, it's me, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? Instead, my nigga, nigga out here to created this platform, feet on the ground, my nigga, you did, my nigga changed it. I mean, waking up the minds, my nigga, and that's what's up, bro, black power, fam. Black power. Black power, man. They, you know, Man, I, yo, thank you very much, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I, like, I, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to be me. I don't even know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how to be no different. I don't know how to be no different. You know what I mean? I, I just don't. And, and, and I've seen it, though. I've seen it. I've seen people get, get in a situation, man, they just go down. Like, you know what I mean? You know, and, and I do appreciate, I, I appreciate, I appreciate a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, on a daily, on a, on a day-to-day basis. So I like to send that love out to the black woman. I'm going to send love out to the black woman. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Yo, the black woman can read, goddamn, she can, uh, uh, like, 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 reanimate your ass. You know what I'm saying? The black woman can resurrect you and bring you back to a whole nother, to, uh, and bring you back to a whole nother person again. We're like, the black woman has that ability to help a fractured mind come back. Because it was through the help of the black woman that helped me come back. You know what I'm saying? 
So I'd like to get out respect to the black woman. I say. Amen. Who else be befitting? You know what I'm talking about? Who else better to give give it up to? God. I like how you put that, brother, for That's like power. Like power. But dear family, it's, it's over Wally Day. But y'all did, y'all did it, day. It's over Wally Day, baby. There go Malcolm Day today, baby. So you know, uh, uh, man, don't be no political chump. You know what I'm saying? We're going to play a little bit of that. We're going to play a little bit of, you know what I'm saying, Afraid to Bleed. You know, um, this conversation going to flow. Everybody, you know, we thank y'all for coming out. You know what I'm saying? We're going to spread it. Spread that on your Facebook or something, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, let the family know that we're here celebrating, man. And we're going we're gonna to get it uh, We get the ancestors and the elders. They rightful places. We give them the place to speak. So can't nobody tell nobody else, oh, this is what I think they said, or uh, this is what it sounded like. We let you say it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So what it do out there, Brother Mikarab, man, you know, uh, if you, you know, it's your day. It's your day. You know what I mean? Even though we're celebrating the, the, the elder, you know what I'm saying, we got to also, you being a little younger than me, you know what I mean, we got to also celebrate the youth, the youthful energy. You know what I'm saying? The energy that move on in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Right now, that spirit right now today. So, you know, family, go ahead, man. Take it. It's on you, Brother Mickerod, man. I'm going to fall back. Oh. Whatever you can, I, can, I, can, I, can I start and ask Brother Mickerod a question, man? You know, uh, before he gets started, man, you know, I just want to know, like, uh, you know, when were you, how, how and when was you uh, introduced to Malcolm? You know, and you know, please tell the family a little bit of, about that. Okay. <laughs> um, in uh, elementary school, I think I was like in fourth grade. No, no, I was in I was in third grade, and um, they wanted me to play. You know, you have uh, uh rehearsals and so forth, and they wanted me to uh, say the um, Martin Luther King Jr. speech. So I had to remember uh, the speech, you know, and, and when I uh, was a youngster. In 1991, that movie came out, and and at the end of that movie, Nelson Mandela was like, "Today is May 19th." You know, the whole movie they don't mention his birthday, and I was like, "May 19th, that's my birthday." So after watching that movie and seeing Spike Lee, you know, go, go through the autobiography, I was like, "Well, I was born 82, 91. I was nine years old." And after that, I you know started grab slowly gravitating. You know what I mean? My whole, uh, my transition, you know, Malcolm put, you know, I, I transitioned from, I was born, I was in a black church. My grandmother was uh, AME, African Methodist Episcopal. You see what I'm saying? When I turned 18, I got carjacked, and uh, I got stabbed up a bit. I got one lung and shit right now, right? And um, after that, you know, I started, I converted to Islam. I was a Muslim from 18 to 28. Uh, I never was with the Nation of Islam, though. But I've studied the uh, Sunni Islam, Habash Islam, so forth. You know what I mean? And um, just started picking up here and there. But I always, since 10 years old, liked the wittiness and the um, character of Malcolm and the assertiveness. And, and, you know, he brought manhood to, the, you know, to, you know, you had, it, it, crackers had to respect Malcolm when he talked. Crackers anticipated when Malcolm talked. They had to have their best crackers on cue when Malcolm would talk. 
you know, you gotta look. We talk about on in, on television, on press, where you got fifteen, ten minute slots, and you got to be real prepared. We see it a lot of times where you got individuals who may be speaking for us, who may be leered out of the question in a little ten minute slot, like the European would want it. But Malcolm always stay on point. He would never, he would never stay off the topic. You see, what I'm saying he would always drill on subject, and I always, you know, took note of that, and, and, and wanted to sharpen myself, you know, to that extent as well. Um, and it's crazy because when you study your our, our experience in America with Europeans, <clears throat> there's a reason why they pick and choose our holidays for us. If you got, if, if you know, if you, if you if you study every African culture, just pick one any time era, you'll notice the fascination that Africans have with elders and and the deification of elders who 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 make journeys to the next realm and so forth. That essentially gave them their strength because it gave us our identity. You, you have, we had no problem with knowing who we were because we had so much rich culture that was living throughout our people. We had so much culture that was living in our artwork, which deified fallen elders and so forth. So you always heard stories of folklore dealing with your people and so forth. Now, if the European is a war-driven culture, they learned that a good, a good uh, special is African documentary. How they, they came with the gun and the Bible. You see what I'm saying? The Europeans had to take away your deity, which is your strength, which is your identity, and have you identify with their mythology, to identify with their culture. So your ideas and your mindset serves their culture. So them knowing this is the reason why they pick our martyrs for us. The question I have to ask, you know, family is: Look at the character of men that were produced in that era. Not just um, Malcolm X, but all, all the other uh, uh, civil rights, you know, activists and so forth. Look at the genre of manhood it produced and reflection to now. You'd be shocking. You you don't see it no more. You see athletes in suits. I'm not saying suits show intelligence, but I mean when you want to assert yourself, Malcolm wore. You know the nation Islam had that because of the image that they gave us and so forth. Plus they grew up in conservative times. But even right now we know in 2016, you know Europeans still denote our stereotype as being very uh uh. uh Intimidating and so forth. So you you know niggas wearing lavender and pink. But getting back to the situation with Malcolm, how you know look at look at the genre of manhood it produced. You have to study the times in which that produced that individual, and I think that's the most important lesson we'll get when you watch um, even when you watch Malcolm X the movie. It's taking you back into that time. You see what I'm saying? And you see just how black everything was. It was racist as a motherfucker, but it was, at least it was honest. It was separate and unequal. Under the lie of separate and equal. You see what I'm saying? I say. I say. Okay. Yeah. I'll okay. answer the brother question. Like power to that, man. You know, you think you're sitting kind of way. Uh, you think like to have another... Uh, 
Well, you know, I know we're producing Malcolm X's every day, you know, you know what I'm saying, but do you think that uh that, that environment that you're talking about, that that culture, you think that that would ever uh that, that raises that that promoted uh manhood, uh um integrity, you know, you know what I'm saying, things like this, uh you think that ever come back? You think you know what I'm saying? What would you think would it take to to bring that back? Do you think that uh I mean did Malcolm voice have an effect to cause that or was that a or was he like the 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 result of that? I think um it, it it's coming back now because every every couple of generations the youngsters assess time. Or everybody on this line we are the seeds of the civil rights movement. We are the seeds of integration education. What do I mean by that? When you talk to our grandfathers and our grandmothers and so forth, you notice they have a certain strive about them. They have, you know what I mean? They get shit done. You know what I mean? They don't seem to be lost because they grew up, a lot of them grew up during segregation. So they know how to stretch a penny. They know how to deal with their people. You know what I mean? They have good social skills. Now, with, with the, the integrated schools and so forth, and, and basically that is superseded by the next social class, which is wealth. So we all the products that so we, we get to assess the times and when we you know, when we see movies or when we read books and about that time era, we, we, we picture like, Wow, I know I do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I tell my father, I, I oh you you grew I wish I grew up when you was coming up. Because it was togetherness. Because of the segregation. See now it's integrated. It's watered down. And see, what COINTEL has done since then, in my opinion, they have watered down intelligence, meaning they have created this image now where, you know, you know when, you, when, you hear, when, you, when, you, when you when you watch a Malcolm X speech and so forth and you see the people there, they were very educated people. They were smart, and they strive for, they were got nurses, lawyers. They had, you know what I mean? Nowadays, to speak on that, you know, they've dumbed down everything. So to show some sign of intelligence is to show that you, you know, integrationalist. I know I've mm. noticed that. Mm. When I've noticed, I'm just the opposite. When I see information and intelligence, I know over time, if it's intelligent and it's rational, it's going to turn revolutionary instead of integrationalist. You see what I'm saying? The first mindset that the African-American makes is integrationalist because we have to integrate into society. Now, once you integrate into society, if you're a smart, intelligent motherfucker, over time, you're going to see through the bullshit. And you you, you may be a, a closet revolutionary, but it's going to come out. You see what I'm saying? Especially when you see a parent, youth being murdered like they are and so forth. So that's what's coming along right now. Like the, That's why they're trying to get rid of the projects in every 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 state in, throughout the country. I, I noticed that gentrification going yeah. on. They're giving yeah. you vouchers to move into the valley and shit. Because yeah. the projects have turned into... A socialist type of state, and most of the time it's all blacks, and you know what I mean. And, and you know what, brother Micker, are you saying that about the project turning over? It seemed like they had a certain amount of time that they wanted them to run because as a project, it is that a project they set it up in order to hold a certain system and be able to check that system on a regular basis. It was a big project. 
I agree with that. And project indeed. You know, with the, with the, the uh, a microscope right under it. <laughs> right about that. And see, I know out here in California, you know, they they're doing that. You know, what I'm saying they one one particular uh, Nicholson Gardens. You know, what I'm saying they offer people vouchers to move out, and then they're leaving. They're not re-renting out the uh, location, so you got whole buildings that's damn near empty. And eventually, they're gonna knock all that shit down and, and make a point. You feel what I'm saying? But they say it's crime infested. But let's be real. Uh, uh, every project functions like a socialist country. You only got a problem if you're not from there. Uh, I say. Because if you're coming in, you're coming to get something. You see what I'm saying? So you're coming mm-hmm. to get the area. Mm-hmm. You're coming to get weed. You're coming to fuck with a female. You see what I'm saying? You're not coming to build. You're not coming to stay and chill. And break. So I'm saying you're coming to get something, you're going. So it's all eyes on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that is how the project works, don't you? Yeah, see, Europeans, see, cap, the the opposition of capitalism is poverty, and this weird thing, poverty unite people. Yeah. Got <laughs> damn right, it do. See, mm-hmm. that make your ass have to go and ask for some bread, have to goddamn go, and you know what I'm saying? Next dope, and have a relationship with your neighbor because you might need, you know what I'm saying? You might. Goddamn, you go needy, so nigga. Poverty have crackers, racist crackers, smelling us cooking barbecue, or have them smiling and grinning, trying to get a plate. Mm-hmm. If they, you know what I'm saying? That's the poverty. Do poverty's weird? They don't anticipate that. And see, we we work, we we've been, we've they've been they've been using the oppression, the poverty on us so long. We've become magicians with money. That's why they, they they only give the buffoons real money because they know you know I'm, I'm speaking real a nigga with a job and a side hustle man this nigga be in Mercedes Benz and three bedroom houses and big yard you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> now imagine if he was had a career you know getting the same papers it's different we work money different because especially if we have a community like 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 imagine like Black Wall Street for example. Of creative, innovative, you know, or, or let's say right now, let's use let's use the project and say the project is the Black Wall Street or any black neighborhood. Segregation produced millionaires. You know what I'm saying? Whole blocks of families living in their houses for twenty, thirty years who can fucking with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Grocery stores here, dry cleaners over there, milkman over here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you could still see the remnants in certain black neighborhoods, like our neighborhood. You could still see the remnants of that, or the millionaires that was created. It dudes in our community who got mad paper because of, of the time that they lived in. Mm-hmm. Now it's older, you know what I'm saying? And you could see that somehow the community used to be different because you could see the differences in, in the community. You could see these elders who you know all they did was work. They worked in the community, but they worked with each other. They also owned those stores. They might have had a job working at, like, the gun manufacturer, but they also had a little side hustle, like you said. They got, might be doing a little car wash, might have a little corner store, whatever, but everybody's spending money with each other. I'm telling you, my uncle lived down the street, man. My uncle been retired for, like, 20 years, man. He ain't, almost every year he done had a brand-new car. He got all type of goddamn S-class 
a five five S S fifty five goddamn a big ass Lexus truck, new shit, a brand new Camaro out that motherfucker. Anytime you turn around, he got a, some new shit. And all because, like you said, he he was in yeah, no money way back. And now over time, they still got their papers sitting around each other. But now they ain't mm-hmm. reinvesting. It's like a whole other mindset with the next generation that came up. They left the they left they left the economic part out. Like they 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 took their money out of the community. Like the elders, they took their money from now to their corner stores and stuff like that, and just put it in their pocket. And now they're just sitting back in their home right now. Mhm. And the whole process of jail goes back to segregation. That's how it was with segregation. She segregated. Integration opened up the game for middlemen. Could no Indian come to a, a segregated black neighborhood and open up a store? They had to go with the Indians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, integration opened up the game for middlemen who can exploit that shit. I have a right to be here. I can integrate. You see what I'm saying? We was looking at the education aspect of it while they were focusing on our economies and our social systems. And Jew, I'm talking about Jews. You see what I'm saying? So we were looking for education. They were looking for the economy. And, and that they go right back to what, what, you know what I'm saying, what the whole day is about, man. That's why we celebrate Malcolm, man, because he was standing on that shit, man, fighting against the sin ahead of time, man. And goddamn, y'all, y'all don't listen to that shit, my nigga, and... and Man, as the, as the masses, man, the masses of black folks, my nigga, just choose the wrong side a lot of times, my nigga. You feel me? Think <laughs> <laughs> about the masses. The masses is asses almost all the time. All the time, bro. <laughs> all the time, the masses is asses. But you're talking about that, and that is one of the reasons why we're dealing with our brother today is because it was the political awareness. And the political awareness, your policies or what makes you say, no, we're not going to allow you to come into our community. No, we don't mm-hmm. want to buy nothing from you, so if you put a store here, we still ain't going to buy nothing, and we ain't want you here in the first place. That's politics, and that's why you were saying that we were politically naive and that we were political chumps, because we wasn't understanding how to deal with each other. We wasn't creating a policy to deal with each other first and foremost, and a policy on how we would deal with foreigners if they came amongst us. That's exactly, exactly. And see, we have, and, and, and when you know we politically naive, that means they depend on that. And see, yo, you know what? You're saying that, right? And I'm going to tell you what was slick. That Mount Washington, having been in the NOI, understand what he's saying to saying that when he was talking to the general people. Because in the NOI, there's a, a, a lesson that states that um, it, it talks about white people, and it calls them Muslim sons, and they're saying that, listen, we'll let these jokers study. The only one that we deal with is those who study from 30 to 50 years. And after they study from 30 to 50 years, it ain't that we, it, after they study 30 to 50 years, it ain't they, it's not that we won't kill them, we just won't kill them as fast as we'll kill their brothers. And these are the ones we'll do trade with, the ones who study with us 30 to 50 years. And what he was saying was that, listen, 
The only way you can do business with these with these jokers is you do it on your terms. You got to make them come to you on the terms that you want them to come come to you on. And any other ones, you don't do no business with them. If they ain't coming on your terms, if they not talking to you how you want them to talk to you, it ain't no business for y'all to do because they ain't nothing but the devil anyway. That damn right. A whole time. So even the ones that you're willing to do business with, always remember that you're just doing business with them now and you just ain't going to take their head off as quick as the ones who talk savage to be going all out the goddamn way. But all of them is on the same line. And that's what political, that's what having a, a policy about your nation does. It fortifies that so you can help. That's why the nation of Islam started to grow. It started to grow people with large amounts of money with inside the nation of Islam because of their system of only working with each other. That we're going to mm. buy, shop, everything that we can from each other. And that was when Malcolm really had it. Um, I'm saying, well, Malcolm was really being the mouthpiece in the and the one who was guiding their economic prowess. Mm-hmm. Then, you guys, then we assess, you know, cash cows that was bringing in money for the nation, like Muhammad Ali. Was it really about him going to the service, or was it about him cutting off the, the money he was generating for the, the nation? I've been thinking about a lot of shit, fam. You ever think about that? Was it, you know, why would you ask a nigga named Muhammad Ali to join the service? Oh, see, now I don't think it was. They was asking. See, he got drafted. He got drafted. But I know why. Are you saying that about the Muhammad Ali not going in the NOI? You know, even though see, see, this is double. This is a double thing that happened. Even he still lost out on money. So even with him not going, his donations to the NOI went down because. He couldn't perform. He couldn't work. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't able to work like he like he was able to work. So that's what really that messed him up. So it's like a dual thing. I, I, you know what I'm saying about why he didn't want to, about about the reasoning behind not going. I I could understand though from where he was he was speaking of because the NOI in that day they were very vocal against. You know he was hanging with Malcolm. They were very vocal against doing anything with the white man, especially being a part of their army going to fight Koreans, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know the NOI was going on that shit hard before, you know, before they even tried to jab Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They like, your job's bullshit. Don't send none of us go over here and go fight no goddamn war. But you, you the enemy. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's where you got, that's where, that's where, like, we hear those classic, we, we watch the classic interviews by Muhammad Ali where he's, um, verbally jousting with white people and stuff like that and really tearing their ass up. And that's just, that's him being a product of the NOI. Of, that's how all of them act. Like, because they have a specific training. This is just what it is, man. This is how you're going to respond to them. This is just what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. See, you know, you can't talk about Malcolm when I come up with this. And... It's funny because their political, no, 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 they try to be political. Their social philosophy has changed, like you said, with the political policies now, right? So when you heard Elijah Muhammad saying the white man was the devil, it was it was strong all throughout the segregation era because the organization was started what nineteen what thirty three, thirty three, thirty three, thirty three. 
Fourteen years. This organization will be in existence for a hundred years. We're in the hundred-year anniversary of Marcus Garvey. You know what I'm saying? We're in the ninety-first. This ninety Marcus ninety-first birthday. You know what I'm saying? We through history, we can assess these things now. You see what I'm saying? And we can assess that if the present-day leader of that organization, Sarah Cohn, if he got these niggas, if he's cool with integration, marriage, his all his talk. Is spitting the political policies put in place now, where it was in strict contradiction of his master's teachers, which was speaking to the policies of the politics back then. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I say. Should have kept their regular politics. Should have changed, and they try to to change this change with time. Fuck it all up. You can't change with time. So when you hear a Malcolm X speech, it's like prophecy when you when he speaks on how them niggas just, just fell apart. When Malcolm be saying that you know, can't no motherfucker that's any inter mar- interracial marriage relationship be put put in a place of position to speak for the the masses of black people. Mm-hmm. And you got to point the finger at motherfuckers who was in high political positions and so forth. Well, you may not know was you know. Mingling and so forth, and, and, and so that's the, they, that was their interest in the whole civil rights movement. One for the mass of black people struggles, it was so that they can mix and mingle. Is that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is Malcolm is, is transferred into de- you know to, to deity now. You know what I mean? And it's imperative that he's he's our political teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, one on one, Malcolm one on one for the for the babies. You know what I'm saying? This is politics. You know, the essence of politics. Introduction. And know in America, the base of it's racism. <laughs> so it's not hard to catch the attention. But I've noticed that the, what, what what the white culture has done is they kind of shun like when you talk. You know what I mean? To 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 speak honest about them on their history now is to be. Uh, belligerent. Mm. You're in the right. Yeah, you're racist. How you, yeah, you're how you going about saying it? That's belligerent. <laughs> you're in the right now. Yeah. You're being very belligerent, sir. You're in the right. Yep. But your your conduct or going about it is not uh, favorable. Man, you're talking too tough to us. <laughs> yeah, but you're in the right. That's exactly what it is. That, you know... White people don't like you, for you to talk to them like you know what you're talking about. They always like you, for you to talk to them in a questionative type of form where it's mm-hmm. not like waiting for them to approve what you're saying. Like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. do you think this is like that? Instead of you telling me, nah, this, this is what it is, man. Ain't nothing else. Take you, what the fuck you say. This is what it is. They, like, they don't like that. They don't like to be dictated to by black people. Mm-hmm. This is very true. See, that's just observation and dealing with these folks. I see, that's why we, we know these motherfuckers. You see what I'm saying? We know these better than any immigrant group. Because all these new booties is taking the bait. The best thing we can do is stop warning their ass. We didn't warn a lot of motherfuckers about the white man. And they stop warning them. Yeah, no. <laughs> and keep our mouths closed. And worry about our own. 
that's the best policy we can have. As Brother Bourne was saying, you know, because it's really about instilling, you know, policies on how we deal with and how we deal with other people. We know, and we base our policies off how they deal with us. It makes it very simple then. We know how they deal with us, right? Well, that's how we're going <laughs> to. And I mean that in the most, I mean that in the most basic sense. Uh, nigga, when you get locked up, how they treat us. Not the, not, not the motherfuckers in uniform, everybody else who ain't our color in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, I'm the original slave. You looking at me funny when I come up in this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's crazy out here in California, man. It's crazy all about the United States, but. Damn, I wanna. Man, man, man. Damn, uh, we got a secret recording. I ain't never even heard of this. The FBI secret recording of Malcolm X refusing to sell out. I never, I never heard that. I just now I'm, I'm checking on some a couple of different things in order to, to play a little piece of Malcolm right here, you know. And I just seen a clip that stated that they got some FBI recordings of Malcolm with where 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 the goddamn FBI trying to get him to sell his people out from the from the NOI, sell people out. That's what the captions say. Not to check into this, so we can, you know, we try to pull that up. Yeah, I heard that one, man, and he gives, like, a lesson in how to, you know what I'm saying, I mean, how to turn their ass against, against their own words, you know what I'm saying, use their own words against the conversation. You just see the arrogance, like they just knew he was going to do like the rest of them. Are you looking for one? I got one lined up already, brother boy. Why are you looking for one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, go ahead, go ahead, play what you got lined up. I'm, I'm just looking through because there's so many different ones. I just seen one that I wanted to play, but it's just it's longer than what I wanted wanted it to go. But it's All right. Interviewers, but it's a couple minutes, so it's like thirty minutes. The only time he readily told you is when he can use you, when he can exploit you, when he can oppress you, when you will submit to him. And since his own history makes him uh, unqualified to be an, an inhabitant or a citizen, citizen in a kingdom of brotherhood, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that God is about to eliminate that particular race from this earth. So since they are due for elimination, we don't want to be with them. We're not trying to integrate with that which we know has come to the end of its rope. We're trying to, trying to separate from it and get with something that's more lasting. We think that God is more lasting than the white man. So in effect, uh, Minister Malcolm... Your movement does not share the integration goals of the NAACP, CORE, Martin Luther King's uh, movement, and the student nonviolent movement. You don't integrate with a sinking ship. Uh, you don't do anything to, to further your stay aboard a ship that you see is on its way down to the 
bottom of the ocean. Moses tried to separate his people from Pharaoh, and when he tried, the magicians tried to fool the people into staying with Pharaoh. And we look upon these other organizations that are trying to get Negroes to integrate with this doomed white man as nothing but modern-day magicians, and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has the modern-day Moses who's trying to separate us from the modern-day Pharaoh. Well, do you feel that the Negroes who are attempting to influence uh, the policies and actions of our federal government, the Attorney General, the President of the United States, when, are... When, when uh, James Baldwin recently had a conference with uh, Robert Kennedy, he took Lena Horne, who's married to a white man, uh, Lorraine Hansberry, who's married to a white man, Belafonte, who's married to a white woman, uh, uh, Edwin uh, Berry of uh, the Urban League, who's married to a white woman. Now... And whenever you have a group of black people sitting down with a white man supposed to represent the black masses, you can never get anybody who's involved in any intermarriage in any kind of situation who will be qualified to represent, to represent themselves as spokesmen for the black masses in this country. They were representing their own personal desires. They want to mix and mingle so that they, are, they can take their wife. They can go any of these places with their wife. They're involved in a mixed marriage. But you can't find masses, sir, of black people who will accept any black man who's married to a white man as a spokesman for black people, or a black woman who's married to a white man as a spokesman or a representative of what uh, black people feel and think. What do you feel Negroes should do in respect to obtaining even more effective protection from our federal government? You never will get protection from the federal government. That's like uh, King is asking uh, Kennedy to go to Alabama and stand in the doorway, put his body in the doorway. That's like ask, asking the fox to protect you from the wolf. And when black, now the masses of black people can see this, and it is only the Negro leadership, the bourgeois, hand-picked, handful of Negroes who think that they're going to get some kind of respect, recognition, or protection from the government. The government is responsible for, for what is happening to black people in this country. The president has power. You didn't know, you notice he didn't send any, do, any uh, uh, troops into Birmingham to protect the Negroes when the dogs were biting the Negroes. The only time he sent troops into Birmingham was when the Negroes erupted. And then the president sent troops in there not to protect the Negroes, to protect them white people down there from those erupting Negroes. Well, are not uh, Negro Americans citizens? If they were citizens, uh, you wouldn't have a race problem. If the Emancipation Proclamation was uh, authentic, you wouldn't have a race problem. If the, fourth, if the 13th, 14th, 15th uh, Amendment to the Constitution was authentic, you wouldn't have a race problem. If the Supreme Court desegregation decision was authentic, you wouldn't have a race problem. All of this is hypocrisy. And it is this hypocrisy that has been practiced by the so-called white, so-called liberal for the past 400 years that compounds the problem, makes it more complicated instead of eliminating the problem. Strong, man. That was strong, bro. That shit still, still, still play the day, bro. Still play the day, man. Still hold meaning in the day. Mm-hmm. Brother Boyd, you found what you were looking for? For Black Power. No, I'm talking, oh, okay. talking. Okay, I, I can still let it play now. I, I stopped yeah. it, you know. Let that shit listen, man. That shit, huh? Look, that, you know what? Just to pause it right there for a second is good, just so we can just touch it. Because that, that like Brother Tim said, that plays right now today. The brother was That's so prophetic. He's so prophetic. I think he's one of the most prophetic of, of, of all, man, that we done had. You can hear him. And just listen. He's telling you this is what the fuck is coming. And y'all going to lose playing this game. One, one thing that I, that I think is important, you know what I'm saying, to the listener, to the family that's out there, you know what I'm saying, because we always introduce 
pretty much Malcolm through through the autobiography of Malcolm X or or the movie. You know what I'm saying? And we know both of those are heavy tools of misinformation. So one thing we have that I love that what feet feet on the ground is doing is playing the the words from the man mouth, man. Mm-hmm. Playing the words from the man mouth. This is what you want to listen to. You want to go and study the speeches. You know what I'm saying? This is what's going to give you the true Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Not none of them books. Or none, I mean, that shit is good, introductory information, but don't don't take that shit as truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Listen to what the man is saying, and the man is strong right here what he's speaking on, man. That's, that shit is so true to this day, you know what I'm saying, because a lot of these, a lot of these niggas is getting in this shit, like, for Hollywood purposes. What would what, what y'all hear with Clark called showbiz revolutionaries? Nigga, you getting in this motherfucker, you, you, and then you pressing this line, talk about it's okay to, once you get in there, oh, now it's okay to fuck the white bitches and shit. Too. No, nigga. It's not, nigga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not at all. Not yourself no black leader. You can't do that. Yeah. Not in this day and era. Well, in this day and era, like, you know, morality is so bent. People doing, you know what I mean, all type of shit. But accountability is one that's denoted by leadership. You know what I mean? I feel accountable to my people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you second-guess a lot of shit. You... You you enter looking from your your perspective of a nation. They want the individual. We can make it. We can do something. Uh, I like. I, I had to put that out there because that's what I hit Ishmael Law with on the Amaraswa when I got on him because that nigga's wife's she's not black. You know what I'm saying? Hey y'all, I'm gonna tell you something that I learned, man. You can't really. You that's what Malcolm said was true. How can you really have the Africans or the black people's welfare in mind properly if the person that you sleep with is the enemy, is not your people. How can you really be like, yo, I I don't want And you know these niggas pillow talking. Yeah, you can't trust anything who trust you with any information, nigga. Get the fuck out of here, nigga. When you go home after, you know what I'm saying, after whatever, whatever, you pillow talking with the white bitch, my nigga. Come on, Mexican, nigga. Or the Mexican bitch, whatever you call her, whatever you want to call her. Mm-hmm. Or whatever you want to call her. We, we, can't tell you, we can't tell you no real information. When you sleeping with a Hispanic. That's truth. We can't tell you no information because we don't know. You, 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 you right there with the enemy, my nigga. But, you know what I mean? See, you can, I can expect that, though. I can expect that. From someone who's a self-proclaimed more, I could expect that. I could expect that. You know what I mean? Moors just, you know, they from Spain and shit. So if somebody speak of Spanish, that was just wow. like practicality. He's, he's practicing tradition in regards to they downfall. <laughs> he's practicing so tradition, more tradition. Go find me a white bitch and go up in there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey, I got to expect some shit like that sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's real talk right there. You see what I'm saying? 
Oh, man, you know, it's definitely, it, it's a reality, even though it sounds funny, but it's a reality. That is what it is. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely a reality. See, that's a, that's a dagger there that cut real deep. Nigga don't like that. Mm-hmm. It, it comp, because that's not a dagger hitting his manhood. Well, it is hitting his manhood because it strikes his ego. Nigga's a weekend warrior. He's a weekend warrior revolutionary. You see what I'm saying? You know, Sunday nights they get their little shit off their chest. But, nigga, the, the affairs that you're speaking on, you're not even qualified to answer because your ass is, 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 is sleeping with the enemy. And, and, and not just in regards to that, like 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 the back then in, in during integration, when they were trying to pass integration, the worst that was getting it was mixed couples. See what I'm saying? Exactly. Mixed couples, and, nigger lovers. And, and, and let me add this too, man. You know what I'm saying? That that's one of the attacks from from Alex Haley and from from these white folks on Malcolm. You know what I'm saying? They know they know what he said right there. You can't be fucking with the white bitches or whatever, whatever, right? And if you knew it, if you noticed in the book and in the movie, that was one of the main things they tried to goddamn show Malcolm before before turning into Malcolm. They tried to show him as a lover of white bitches. You know what I'm saying? As 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 I chose the white bitch over the black girl. You know what I'm saying? Okay, now 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 this is absolutely. I mean, we don't know if it's true or not. But we also, but we do know that they used this before, the tactic before, to try to turn black people against their leaders. You know what I'm saying? To to ruin the image, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? When 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 William Styron wrote his book on that Turner, uh, the bullshit confessions book. This was one of the main things he tried to say about Nat Turner that he loved white bitches. This has nothing to do with whether he's a revolutionary or not. You know what I'm saying? This is. Particularly just to attack the image and attack his his credibility within the black community and amongst black revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I want let me say one more thing. Uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover in his in his uh, in the Cointel Pro, what he said what did he say to discredit to discredit the the uh, the leadership of, uh, towards respectable black people and towards militant black people. So they're not just trying to discredit these these leaders to to these Martin Luther King ass niggas. They trying to discredit them to us, nigga. The revolutionaries, the niggas that they with fucking the white hoes. Mhm. Mhm. You know it. Black power. I said it out. Well, brother Mekara, you gonna you gonna throw that other you gonna you gonna play the rest of that? About how much how long is that clip? Oh, you can play it. It's good. I got all the speeches, so yeah, I, I got, I got the right. No, I, I thought that was one that you was playing. I didn't even know if it ended yet. Yeah, hold on. Well, Minister Malcolm, what do you see as the future of the Negro in America? If the, what do you think will be the culmination of the present? A thrust. Until the white man in America sits down and talks with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he won't even know what the race problem, uh, uh, what makes the race problem what it is. And it's just like Pharaoh couldn't get a solution to his problem until he talked to Moses 
or Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar couldn't get a solution to his problem until he talked to Daniel, the white man in America today will never understand the race problem or come anywhere near getting a solution to the race problem until he talks to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And then Mr. Muhammad will give him God's analysis, not some kind of political analysis or, or, or psychologist analysis, analysis or some kind of clergyman's analysis, but God's analysis. That's the analysis that Moses gave Pharaoh. That's the analysis that Daniel gave Belshazzar. And today we have a modern uh, Belshazzar and a modern uh, uh, Pharaoh sitting in Washington, D.C. What do you think is going to happen in Birmingham, in Jackson, Mississippi, in uh, Philadelphia, in Boston, in Englewood? Well, Dr. Clark, as you know, these Negro leaders have been telling the white man everything is all right, everything's under control. And they've been telling the white man that Mr. Muhammad is wrong, don't listen to him. But everything that Mr. Muhammad has been saying is going to come to pass is now coming to pass. And now the Negro leaders are standing up saying that we're about to have a racial explosion. You're going to have a racial explosion. And a racial explosion is more dangerous than an atomic explosion. It's going to explode because black people are dissatisfied. They're dissatisfied not only with the white man, but they're dissatisfied with these Negroes who have been sitting around here posing as leaders and spokesmen for black people and actually making the problem worse instead of making the problem better. What will be the consequence of this explosion? Anytime you put too many spots around a powder keg, the thing is going to explode. And if the thing that explodes is still inside the house, then the house will be destroyed. But what will happen? So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is telling the white man, get this powder keg out of your house. Let the black people in this country separate from you while there's still time. And if the black man is allowed to separate and go on some, under some land of his own where he can solve his own problems, then there won't be any explosion. And the Negroes who want to stay with the white man, let them stay with the white man. But those who want to leave, let them go, go with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. As I understand your position, Minister Malcolm, the only thing that can save us from a catastrophic explosion is complete separation. Complete separation is the only solution to the black and white problem in this country. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. As many of you know, uh, last March, when it was announced that I was no longer in the Black Muslim Movement, it was pointed out that it was my intention to work among the 22 million non-Muslim Afro-Americans and to try and form some type of organization or create a situation where the young people our young people, the students and others, could study the problems of our people for a period of time and then come up with a new analysis and give us some new ideas and some new suggestions as to how to approach a problem that too many other people have been playing around with for too long. And that we would have some kind of meeting and determine at a later date whether to form a black nationalist party or a black nationalist army. <laughs> black power. 
All right, Black Power. Man, it's a good Listen to that powder keg speech. Listen to him, you know. Man, that's uh, you know this is what the, this is what I'm telling you, man. This what faggotry and all this shit did, man. They shit they done try to put water on the goddamn on the powder keg, man. Or like, and you know, like yo, if you got explosives, right? Some of them can get wet, and they still be volatile as fuck if they get a little wet. But sometimes they get wet and they just kill it. No matter how, what kind of spark you put around this motherfucker, it's going to go down. And, and I mean, it's just not going to blow. It's not going to blow. And, and, and so, you know, I'm just, oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm looking for the blow. Because in 1990, 91. That was the wrong. Yeah, 92, you have to bury your rust, and that was the water on the powder keg. Um, 92, 93, 94, you know what I'm saying? We was back with the, that was 30 years after, you know what I'm saying? We was back with the powder keg on, you know what I mean? 30 years later, we was back, we was volatile to that point of explosion, and, they, and, and somehow we had the water put back on us, you know what I'm saying? They're trying to, trying to dampen this shit out. But we coming back up on our swing. This is what the shit moving like shit moves generationally. You know what I'm saying? And every thirty years or so it's a new it's a new swing. So we right back up on the cusp uh, that we need to that, that you know what I'm saying, explosion. We right back up on the cusp of explosion, man. We twenty six years late after the nineties, man. So we back on it. And y'all remember the nineties. Y'all remember how the nineties was. Mhm. You know what I'm saying? They one. They bringing in other minority groups to to ease the situation down. Like what they did after um after slavery and during that whole period, the Irish, the conflict we have with the Irish as well. You see what I'm saying? The new present day is the Latinos, for example. The new word that they give them. You see what I'm saying? They serving as 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 uh distractions. And you see that, right? You know what else they did with that? And they, were you saying that in the in the '60s when we started to get the civil rights? You know who came ran right up on that stuff though? It was the Asians and the Puerto Ricans. The mm-hmm. Asians and the Puerto Ricans were taking massive advantage of these new civil rights and and white women and white women. They they was the ones who snuck in on us when we kumbayaed with them. And felt like if we all linked arms, we would get something together. And then and that's the crew that we let in on the wrong under the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. And see, when you do an analysis of American culture, it's American culture is void of real history. And to to have something that exists void of history, it, it, it's a fairy tale existence type of situation that takes place. Because when you speak, you know, or maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe the people who are most successful in American culture and know American history, mm, they could stomach it. What it took to accomplish the railroad tracks being built. What it took to establish the 13 colonies, to build Washington, D.C., to create a 150-year tax-free Labor free 
slave workforce. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The individual who suffers in America is one who can't know true American history. Because to some extent, if you know some of American history, you can either do three things. Join it and be unsuccessful. Join it and be successful. Don't fuck with it at all. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people who know American culture and history, conscious people, don't fuck with it. So every 4th of July, they promote this, you know. That means the cracker is dangerous to some extent. You know, ain't no to some extent. He is dangerous. I'm talking about the average cracker because they're even void of, of true American history. Because when you get down there asking these motherfuckers questions, you'll find out once from time ago, these motherfuckers was white slaves here. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Come on. Majority of them. And I don't say that we should sympathize for them. No, I'm just saying that... The, the motherfucking real crackers who was who granddaddy was slavers and shit like that, them motherfuckers are balling now. You know what I'm saying? You won't meet them at Walmart. They don't even shop there. The crackers you meet in at Walmart, them motherfuckers is third generation white immigrants. You see what I'm saying? I say, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand what you're saying. Or oh, they might have been some of them sharecroppers. Because I, I remember watching that goddamn movie with that black with the black woman who was a slave, um, Cotton Picking Truth. And she sure enough said, she said, shit. She said, you know, y'all don't know, but she said, huh, it was white folk on this plantation. And mm-hmm. they beat them worse than us. Mm-hmm. God damn. <laughs> what the hell? They beat us. They whooped us worse than y'all. And we shouldn't sympathize when we hear that neither. No, no, no. We not sympathize. At all. Yeah. It's just to, it's just to let you know that listen, man, these savages are so savage that you see what they do to their own. Exactly. You understand? They ain't got full respect for nobody. And you wonder why you fuck your own people over because you practice their culture. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yo, you it's bred right into you. It's bred right into you, man. It's a dual and and, and what we dealing with is it it, it, it it has not only are they ingraining it into us through the culture, but they also bombarding us um, with all type of fucking, yo, they chemically bombarding us with shit that make us psychotic. In your water, in your goddamn food, all this shit, they, they no, they setting this shit up for us. I was just, they setting us, they setting us up. This is why we kill each other so easy. It, it goes beyond, you know, it's part of the cycle of, 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 of yeah, yeah, self-hate that was brought on. But it's also they inducing it in, in us. You know what I mean? We got to be very wary. This is why also one of the great things that's going now is that we're getting back to farming. You see a lot of people back to the grow. Let's just grow our own food. And actually, you know, we got to bring them up to grow or die. But we've got to get back to feeding ourselves and getting away from all this plastic and shit like that. Now, I, I don't know where that's coming from, but I just wanted to say that because I know it's just dangerous for us. I say, I agree with that. In the meantime, know that, you know, they're making that even expensive, everything. <laughs> but know, know that we, we got, man, we got a long history on this planet. And one thing that the cracker knows about our, you know, that's one thing that 
kind of frightens me is the medical uh, aspect of, of, of research that they got during slavery through experimenting on us. They know something about us biologically that we may have forgot about them biologically. You see what I'm saying? And one thing about our greatness is we have the ability to endure. Endure very well. See, even we even we eating this bullshit. You see what I'm saying? What don't kill you, the African only makes it stronger. You got to kill the African quickly. If you induce slow killing on that, that's that's what's puzzling them right now. Why are we talking like to my pops, homies, and shit like that? Then? Them niggas was just playing in, in Agent Orange and all type of shit. And everything was lead back then. You see what I'm saying? But we're still surviving. Crackers' skin falling off their face at the age of 40 and shit. You see what I'm saying? And they eating their food. <laughs> so almost all that I'm just saying, you know, know something about ourselves, too. We have to be able to endure, you know, but once we fix the problem... And we know what the problem is. The problem on the planet is white people. And no mistake in that. Um, this whole concept they have of private property, privatization. You see, you can't talk about corporation without talking about slavery. All corporations, don't give a fuck, all corporations was financed by slavery. Our real target is corporate industry. You know what I'm saying? Because they're the ones who've maximized and took advantage of that free slave. Imagine, nigga, imagine you work in a successful business for 150, 200 years where you had to pay your workers a damn thing. Look at it from that aspect. You know what I'm saying? Billions of dollars, really free. All you got to do is supply and demand. But you gotta just make sure you 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 keep the vacuum going, but you ain't gotta play. The labor's free. Getting this shit, faxing it rapidly. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that shit was turning a lot of them uh, nothing ass po ass crackers into millionaires, man. Watch movie these like remember Schindler's List? Anybody remember that movie? Yeah, Schindler's List. I, I, I never seen this. Ain't that the one about the about about the about the Hollow Hoax? Yeah, Hollow Hoax. I like that word, Hollow Hoax. Yeah, watch that movie. We watch that movie. You see, the nigga was taking advantage of free labor from the from the Jews, so called Jews, and and the contractor kept same shit that George Bush daddy was doing. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what the fucking did. That's exactly what he was doing. He put all the motherfuckers in labor camps. The bitch is going to work. <laughs> he worked all the holes, y'all. He literally did. Ah, oh, man. That was genius, though. You know what I'm saying? That was genius. Uh, evil genius. That's culture. If you don't execution, slavery. Yeah. No, execute them. That nigga in the servitude. Yeah, and that's what he was doing, putting them in servitude, man. We ain't going to work them jokers, man. We need bullets. We got tanks being need to be built. We got shells need to be built. We got metal need to be smelted. Iron ore to be smelted. We got shit need to be forged. Y'all going to be in here working, man. We got fields to be cleared. We got bridges to be laid. 
roads to be laid, what y'all going to be doing? Mm-hmm. And when you watch the movie Schiller's List, it's kind of funny. Because when you know a little bit about the history, the Jews, they got a warning from the Germans before they so-called got murdered. You know, we off the topic, but I'm, I'm going to bring it back around right quick, right? Yeah, I'm showing you the nature of the Jew, right? Here it is, the Jew responsible for the Germans losing World War One, still standing in Germany, claiming to be pro-Germans, right? <laughs> this little young nigga coming to power named Hitler and blow these niggas out the water, right? Extradite, you know, ostracize them niggas first. Don't fuck with them. These niggas did this and that. The real smart ones, even even Albert Einstein, his scary ass, he even tried to flee, right? They seen the party cake coming, right? For the ones that did stay, when you watch Schindler's List, it's funny because they show a very poverty-stricken Jewish family trying to have a meal, and the Germans are coming. And when the Germans are coming, the Jews hear them coming up the thing. The Jew daddy run into it like a little stash spot. Like I niggas have, like, like, it reminds me of the hood because the first ghettos was in Germany. Remember that, my nigga? Feel me? The first ghetto, the word ghetto is denoted to describe a community that the Germans had the Jews living in, right? Hello? Yeah. Right? Check, look the word ghetto, up, right? Jewish ghettos, right? The Jews live in ghettos in Germany after the Jews, I mean, after the Germans gathered them niggas all up, put them niggas in one area, right? So the family's trying to have dinner, and the Germans are coming. So the Jew daddy didn't really like the police coming for, you know, they, it's a raid, nigga, it's a raid. So the pops find a stash spot, and he grab a bunch of diamonds, like crack, and throw it on the table. And then his wife brings a loaf of bread, and he ordering the kids to take bread, put the diamonds in the bread, and swallow the diamonds. You hear me? Nigga, your freedom finna be compromised, and you motherfuckers are worried about diamonds? You see, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm busting up laughing. I'm watching this shit in the class. This is at school. Everybody looking at me like, why are you laughing? Like that. You know, I remember watching a parody, one of those racial movies. I can't think of the name of it. I think it was a scary movie or something. And they were showing a, a racial thing for a, 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 a Jew. And the nigga wanted to get away from the Jew, so he took a gang of pennies and threw them in the air. And the Jew was so greedy, he had to count and catch every penny before he, he chased the nigga. You see what I'm saying? So when I seen that shit, <laughs> so when I seen that shit, I'm like, here it is. This nigga's going to concentration camp. And his most prized possession is an African diamond. Jewelry. That's what he worried about. He ain't worried about getting, he didn't go grab the pistol. See, the, at least the Arab would have grabbed the AK. You see what I'm saying? They, you know, the Arab worship water. You see what I'm saying? But the Jew, I'll never forget that scene in that movie, my nigga. And then, and then got hauled off in the concentration camp and eventually died. But ordered his kids to swallow them diamonds. Like, out of everything that coming, he wasn't worried about his freedom. He was worried about them Germans. Motherfucking diamonds. And these are the same people who started the NAACP. The same people who gave you your president, Obama. The same people who got Drake as number one in everything. I'm like, this nigga, you know what I mean? That, it's okay to be Jew, the tough Jew. Like Professor Mackey would talk about. 
which came in the later half of the after see Malcolm X came up after he seen this fake state of Israel get produced in nineteen forty nine. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they went from they now imagine this. If you knew that the same in, individuals who created the NAACP in the like early 1900s, 40, 50 years later, had enough power to create a face state of Israel. They're fucking, they, 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 they run a game on us. You see what I'm saying? When black people who are being oppressed become impatient, they say that's emotional. Please. When black people who are being deprived of their citizenship not only of their civil rights, but their human rights. Become impatient, become fed up, don't want to wait any longer, then they say that's emotional. <laughs> the Negro, so-called Negro leaders and organizations should be praised. They should be congratulated. They should be complimented. Because out of all of them combined, the white man has not yet found one who will play the role of Uncle Tom. But yet he has found no Tom, no puppet, no parrot, who is still dumb enough in 1962 to represent the injustices that he's afflicting against our people. We don't care what your religion is. We don't care what organization you belong to. We don't care how far in school you went or didn't go. We don't care what kind of job you have. We have to give you credit for shocking the white man by not letting him divide you and use you one against the other. In the past, the greatest weapon the white man has had has been his ability to divide and conquer. As Jackie Robinson pointed out beautifully on the television last night, four-fifths of the world isn't white. Isn't that what Jackie said? And if, if four-fifths of the world is dark, how is it possible for one-fifth to rule, oppress, exploit, dominate, and brutalize the four-fifths who are in the majority? How do they do it? Divide and conquer. So if I take my hand and slap you, you don't even feel it. It might sting you because these digits are separated. But all I have to do to put you back in your place is bring those digits together. This is what the white man has done to you and me. 
He has divided us. And used us one against the other. But today, thanks to Allah, you can say thanks to God or thanks to Jesus or thanks to Jehovah, whatever you want. But as a follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we have been taught to say thanks to Allah. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus called on Allah. He said, Allah, 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 Allah. I believe what's, what's good for Jesus is good for you. If Allah was good enough for Jesus to call upon, I think he should be good enough for you to call upon. Since the so-called Negro community has shot the white man, by resisting all efforts to divide us, I think that you and I should continue to shock him by seeing and working together in unity. Despite religious, political, economic, or educational, or social differences, let us remember that we're not brutalized because we're Baptists. We're not brutalized because we're Methodists. We're not brutalized because we're Muslims. We're not brutalized because we're Catholic. We're brutalized because we are black people in America. <laughs> the so-called Negro community has shot the white man by resisting all efforts to divide us. I think that you and I should continue to shock him by seeing and working together in unity. Despite religious, political, economic, or educational, or social differences. Let us remember that we are not brutalized because we're Baptists. We're not brutalized because we're Methodists. We're not brutalized because we're Muslims. We're not brutalized because we're Catholics. We're brutalized because we are black people in America. Black power. Black power. Black power, man. Square business. Well, the man, you know, man, what more can you say? You know, you know, my he said, listen, man, any person jump up, any black man jump up, talk about the Constitution, he out of his mind. Don't even worry about him. It's about this constitutional right. You hear a black man jump up, talk about this constitutional right, you know right then and there, man. He lost his mind. Hell yeah. Something in there, something somewhere along the line while he was reading that shit, he started thinking that shit applied to him. And have have no history. You know, just do the history of Europe, you know, of Europeans and contracts. They still ain't they still fucking niggas over with contracts now, right? That's their culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck if it's a treaty or a record deal, nigga. But <laughs> nigga trying to get signed though. Yeah. Nigga trying to get signed though, dad. <laughs> I like how you put it out there, you know, holistically. A lot of other motherfuckers think, you know. We're suffering because we, you know, nah, nigga, you know, the minute we get to talk about the white man, they want to talk about being Hebrew or being a Muslim. What they got to do with it? 
ain't got shit to do with it. You don't. He didn't ask you. He didn't even ask what you were. He just saw you and yeah. put you in the category. You see what I'm saying? He didn't see you making salat aki. They saw your thick beard and put you... No, he didn't see you with that Bible in your hand. He didn't hear your Jewish name or hear your Hebrew name. He saw a nigga. You know what I'm saying? He did, it was visual. He didn't want to know you. He didn't want to know what you practiced. He didn't like you. Don't like you. It's a reality because, you know, some of my family members, you know, think that there is some good white folks out there. <laughs> brother, brother Tim, brother, brother, uh, uh, brother Boyd, you know any uh, good white people? Huh? You, from, you said you met a fair cracker? You met a fair cracker? A square dealing cracker. Have I ever met a square dealing yeah. Not that I can say it. They all acted like they were dealing me square, but I, I would doubt that they was. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I, I, I feel like I've never, I've never felt like I've never felt like I was getting the right deal anytime I was dealing with a cracker. You know what I'm saying? They always treat. They always act like they're treating you fair. They always give you a smile, but, you know, I don't know no good ones, though. I don't know no good ones, like, on some real shit. I don't know no good ones. I'll start with that. I'll be like, yo, you're the good cracker. Because they turn on each other so quick that I know that they're not good. Because I was like, yo, the one cracker that I would say was that, that I was trying to think about, I was like, damn, maybe. But now thinking about it, I'm like, damn, nah, he ain't no good cracker. He ain't worth shit. Because, goddamn, when he shouldn't have said nothing, he was talking shit about his own goddamn white folks to me, and I would have never, I never talked no shit about black people to him. Hell nah. You race traitor. And I don't trust race traitors. I say. The one good one, A.V. Ant, marked himself out. (laughs) He marked himself out. I met some good half black, half white people. I can say that. I, I can honestly say that. So you got to ask a question when you hear that question. Like, you know, what? One, okay. I met one good half black, half white person that I, that I know that I know uh, that I can, that that is an accountable. You know what I'm saying? Mother, black woman, accountable black man. When you ask the question, good or bad, that's for certain. What do we see as good and bad? Because the cracker may be good at do, just being bad. It's like that's what I was going to say. I was like, good for. I was going to say good for what? But I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just put it in the context of what I'm thinking, good or bad. But you know what I'm saying? Man, he, he, oh, now he's good at. Yeah, he's good at at dumbness, man. You know, but but good to me. He has never been good to me. Will he pick up? Will he pick up a gun, man, and, and kill another cracker to goddamn save your life? 
And to me, that's why I judge it. Uh, bro. I mean, I know that's harsh, but shit, that's what I'm judging y'all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, as far as is it a crack I can deal with? Can 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 I do business with? Can I can I goddamn trade a dollar with a cracker? Goddamn get a cracker? I get a dollar. I've been goddamn getting crackers for dollars my whole life. Yeah, my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shit. But shit, are any of them good? Hell, motherfucking no. You know what I'm saying? Until I see motherfuckers, I ain't want to talk about John Brown. Until I see a motherfucker with a John Brown, they got down. Ain't now one of these motherfuckers about a bitch ass thing. Yo, I say, if you can show me some John, yo, listen, son. Son, that's my immediate response. Yo, that's where I go to anytime a white person starts that bleeding heart with me. As soon as they start talking that white bleeding heart and I feel for y'all, I'm like, yo, if you feel for me, then go get me some John Brown justice. If you ain't talking about no John Brown justice, I don't want to hear nothing else. That's it. You need John Brown justice. If you if you the white man and you love black people and you for us and you care about our plight, then go get that John Brown justice. Show me better you can tell me. Man, I just seen too many times, man, where you know what I'm saying. You did like <laughs> Man, when the when the numbers turn, my I'm telling you, man, when the numbers turn, my nigga, when the numbers turn, nigga, I'm telling you, you gonna see the true colors out that white boy, my nigga. Shit, that's how it go, bro. As long if it's fifty niggas and one white boy, two white boys, them white boys gonna be on their best behavior, nigga. They gonna be the friendliest. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love niggas, pants sagging, this coolest ass white boys you ever seen. Yeah. Put the same motherfucking white boy, my nigga, in a in a what 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 motherfucking group of uh, 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 other white boys. My mentality is this nigga, you one of only one or two black niggas there. All one of them gotta say is the wrong word. Let's see if that white boy go goddamn risk his life. Nigga, to save your black ass. Yo, you saying that fucking white boy just like that too? I was I was in a county with a fucking white boy, in a county fucking old, like fifty year old white boy in there, and so like we're on the same we're on the same block for about a week. You know what I'm saying? About a week, maybe two weeks. And so he's been up there, and I've been up there for I've been up there for like two weeks. So I see him all the time. And it's like one day we're in a day room, and I noticed that the motherfucker got the white motherfucking lightning bolts on him. He got the motherfucking yeah. double lightning bolts, right? See them shit from my damn. I've never seen them before. Knew he had tattoos, but never seen them. <laughs> now he in the fucking cell with my man Big Punch. Don't so anywhere big pun. I'm like, damn, yo, big pun. I'm like, yo, you, you know what them fucking lightning bolts stand for? On your cell, you like, nah, what are you talking about? Whoa, 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 whoa. I said, yo, big pun, man. Motherfucking white supremacist, man. He was like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, son. He part of some type of motherfucking skinhead group or some shit like that. He, nah, nah, nah. It's all right. So he goes to the cell. 
You know what I'm saying? We we locked down for the night, boom, boom, boom. Next morning, I'm like, yo, big time. So what the fuck is telling you? He's like, yo, man, I asked him about this, about the tattoos. He told me that I ain't mean nothing. The tattoos ain't mean nothing. Sir, what? I said, where are you? And a white boy gonna have that shit on his ass for no reason, man. Not for no reason, son. It's not gonna happen, bro. That shit's not gonna happen. Yo. All the motherfucking swastikas, all the motherfucking bolsters, the, uh, the motherfucking Celtic You see a Woody Woodpecker on the whiteboard, nigga, you need to be looking at him crazy. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. white boy got all kind of little shit, my nigga. That mean they'll kill you. We can dissect that shit because, okay, the lightning bolts, that's, the, that's that for the SS. Yeah. Yeah. That's Hitler, a little elite group, right? Hitler, 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 Hitler they protected Hitler from his from the coups. Oh, hold on, let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this real quick. Let me tell you this. The fucking next morning, though, we had we had breakfast. Big Pun come out. I asked him about it. I said, Yo, where your Sully got? The motherfucking Sully don't come out. We look. The Sully got the CEO at the motherfucking cell door. Motherfucker, pack up, packed his ass up, took him off the block. I mean, we call it, he called the CO. He called the CO again, packed this stuff up. Because he didn't think niggas knew. Like, you know, it's like young dudes in there. Like, so niggas ain't never been, you got some older dudes, but niggas ain't never been locked up. Like, and they don't know, they really don't know that you got crackers. Like, they not really even think about that. These niggas is just in the street. You feel me? They ain't not even, ain't no thought in their mind about racism, white supremacy, racist ass cracker around you, none of that shit. They just looking at him like he cool, like he come to the come to the day room, he talk to everybody and whoop 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 whoop. No problem. You know what I'm saying? But it's like Bubba Lou said. I mean like Bubba Tim said, yo, it's cause it's only him. Now it was two white boys on the block, but they ain't enough. They ain't strong enough to do nothing on the block. Nothing at all. So ain't nothing y'all can say. And the one other white boy who with him, he sick, got cancer in the stomach. So if you Come off out your mouth with anything fly. We going a rap rap your motherfucking. We gonna do the rap on you, son. That damn right. Get ass out in here, man. Stop y'all right the fuck out till you're dead in here. You will die in this motherfucking day room, son. Trust it. And mm. we try niggas to stuff you in the motherfucking bathroom. You be in there to the CO. Be like, yo, these motherfuckers ain't lock up. Even the street level cracker. To to the corporate cracker, they still tied up white supremacy because they 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 big up Hitler because Hitler was a eugenics in the in the most literal sense. That nigga got his ideas from crackers in America. How to execute, how to go about killing these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? The sterilize. Hitler created the first cracker sperm bank. I know that, right? So when it comes to that, I, that's I, why I he's that right there. Yeah, I know that. Well, he was on the. He was on the. Uh, was it on some uh, population control shit? I mean, was what, what? He wanted to create a blue eye, blind, blind, blind German. Yeah, he was trying to create the super. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So he, he wanted. He wanted to preserve. He found out how you could preserve and bring out the recessive gene. He 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 studied eugenesis. He was a 
Margaret, it's all about the Margaret saved all the motherfuckers. So even when you see the cracker in the streets, nigga, he had the lightning bolts. The lightning, when you look at him, it's an S. Those like two S's when you go look at the SS yeah. army yeah. for Hitler. They was his secret service. They protected it, 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 him from they the coup. And that's what show you that even on the low end, the low, the low level crackers is in on racism, white supremacy. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's all levels. They all in. Now they all in at different levels, but they all in. Even the low life, the ones, all of them. You can't exclude none of them from 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 that means participate in the with the tattoos, the white boy with the tattoos, and the white man who's a doctor can both have coffee and sit down and both agree that there's too many black people on the planet. I say. And I have no problem with the murder of all of them. Exactly. No, one, of, mother one mother of them more extreme than the other. One one willing to do like the old ways and savagery, and the other one wants to go about it very subtle with science. <laughs> yep. Both of them agree that what must be done well, one just wanted we should just do it savagely. And that's the argument, how to go about doing it. <laughs> yeah, the argument is the way. I don't even think the speed count. I don't even think the speed count. The argument is the way. Should we just go blow them all the fuck up, or should we put something in the water? Mm-hmm. What should we do? Should we kill see, them? that's why we must master the art of divine and conquer. I, no, we, we must... We must I get upset when I see crackers smiling and having a good time. My job is to put one cracker against the other. Instigate all the time. Hey, Tom, you know, man, what's his name? I don't like you. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's our job. Only people we should be happy with seeing together are our people. And you look at them the same way. Look at that white family over there, you know. Just go agitate some shit. How long y'all been married? You know, poke, you know, that's social shit. I'm just using an example, but that's the attitude they have. That's the attitude they have when they sit back and they reflect on shit. You know what I mean? And they see a black couple and they, 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 they grip their teeth. <laughs> the same way, we, see, we got an attitude where we like to see anybody shining looking good. But it all go back to necessity and culture. You know what I'm saying? They coaches. In order for us to do well, somebody got to be at the bottom. That's yeah. bottom line. Make it very sweet, short and sweet. Black bottom. Well, we need a constant. We need a constant lower level. And and if we can grow it, it'll be better. If we can grow it, it'll be better. Grow the lower level, the capacity, so we can get it to where we, we get full. You know what I'm saying? We get as much as we can out of this shit, then we start shutting it down. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. When I say this, moving on, going back to Bible X, this only can happen when you've got a, a constant fantasy of reality. And, and the only way. You can be snapped out of this fantasy if you got a grip on history. Brother, Brother Mickelrod, can I add another uh, category of white boys, man? One that is, is, is 
has even been more detrimental, man, has proved to be more detrimental than even the other two, the savage and the motherfucker with the with the tie. And these are the white boys, man, that have been able to, uh, you know what I'm saying, be, uh, it, be able to be accepted by us. You feel me? Oh, yeah. You feel me? Because even though we have, we even though that one single white boy might have gained our respect, might have gained our love. You know what I'm saying? It's dangerous on the on the on the wider scale because other white boys see this white boy. You know what I'm saying? And 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 goddamn, this is where you get diff- This is where you get now the rise of white boys that feel like they can say nigga and this and this. Now they arguing on whether they can. This is where you see the rise of this. You you get a you get a uh where where niggas kind of lower they defenses. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, as he all right, like a French Montana, Khaled, DJ Khaled ass, DJ yeah. Khaled, DJ Vlad, all these common motherfuckers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I got you now. Now we, we combat that. They play on that because they know our history, but we don't know theirs. We we have a long history of accepting other people. That's African culture, so called, right? What happens when we do the opposite? See, they can only pull that if they, if you know. What are you saying, Colin and, and Eminem can't be accepted in hip hop? And all if a, a nigga who know history, all he got to say is, well, history is showing that African people have uh, integrated many cultures into our own society. So I don't see how me not proving this one individual to this art form. You see what I'm saying? And then we are, yep. we, we've allowed plenty of civilizations and cultures to be, become integrated within our own. And we see at history has told us that at the end of the day, man, we end up losing. We, we end, end up losing, my nigga. We that, end up losing. And we end up, up becoming weak, my nigga. That, we end up taking what we, you end up taking what we got. And you know, and see, okay, brother Tim, you got a great point there too. Because let's get to why in the first place a nigga even fucking with it. Because some motherfucking nigga gonna come and vouch for these niggas. That's what it is. Goddamn right. Every time. That's the only way they can be accepted in anything. Another nigga gotta come and vouch for man. And nigga gotta be a real nigga and say, say, bruh. Nigga, I understand you vouching for this white boy because he fucked with you on some shit you went through. And say, man, is he going to fuck with you like he... Is he going to fuck with you on the same level and he going to fuck with black people on his whole? Yeah. And that's a real call. I that mean, that's, it's being real. That's saying, like, nigga, I can see the white boy fucking with you as an individual, as a nigga. But, nigga, I'm fucking with you because you a, a, a part of a bigger picture. You part of a bigger army. You see what I'm saying? That's it. That's it. Can that crack a, yeah, you know, I, I got your drip, brother Tim. Go ahead. I, I don't mean to cut your wisdom, brother, brother Mikarai, but this is what this is what the great elder Malcolm X is trying to tell us, man. You know what I'm saying? To 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 internationalize this motherfucking shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Stop looking at it on the individual level, nigga. Look at it from a level of goddamn. The, the African hole, you know what I'm saying? 
you know, that's on the garbage tip also. But, you know, you know, this is what he wants us to do. This is why he's taking our shit from a civil rights level, level to a human rights, uh, you know what I'm saying, level. You did. He wants us to internationalize this shit, my nigga. And, and when you internationalize this shit, you, you look at history from that perspective, and that shit got there will show you, my nigga, that this cracker mean no that that cracker right there might be cool on the individual level, but as a as a whole, he means us no good. Mm-hmm. He does us no good. Mm-hmm. You judge the nigga for how he did. You know, the nigga may have a whole lot to answer to for fucking over your people and may want to fuck with you as an individual to get some good juju or some good karma. Hell no. You see what I'm saying? Well, one, one, uh, one example I would give, I know this is on some old nutter shit, right? But Eminem, right? Eminem down south never got no play. Never, not no nigga. Nigga, nigga thought that shit was some goofy shit, right? Until 50 Cent came along, my nigga. Until 50 Cent came along, gave him that vouch, my nigga. Gave him that motherfucking vouch from a hood nigga. You did, you know what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. motherfucker, now this, what did this lead to? That's right. To one day, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm having to argue with a nigga. Okay. Hey. Goddamn, Eminem being the best rapper ever. Hold on, my nigga. Did you hear what I said, my nigga? Total disrespect, my nigga. Total disrespect. I'm having to argue with another nigga about this nigga saying Eminem is the best rapper ever. I'm saying, my nigga, this is our culture, my nigga. How a white boy can ever be the best at anything in this shit? And say, say, brother, how you gonna mention Eminem name when I was saying Dre and Fifty Cent? Come on, my nigga. Yo, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, even when Eminem came out Hey, Bizzino said that shit in the magazine. Bizzino said Dr. Dre fucked up hip-hop when he brought Eminem in the game. Mm-hmm. And he did. Because remember, at that time, niggas were still having album sales off niggas' box. Remember, they used to send ads in the mail with niggas, like, you can get membership and you can get, like, 12 CDs for, like, $10 yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and. Niggas was really buying shit. Eminem fucked the game up when he started talking about MP3s and burning music. Niggas didn't have computers in 97. Mm-hmm. Yo, listen. You're saying that that's how Benzino got got really um, boiled out the market, white boiled out the market because mm-hmm. in, in the Source magazine because he came out against Eminem. He was like, yo, this is the motherfucking system right here coming in. And he got half a white boy. But he was like, yo, this is the fucking system. He's the fucking white man right now. He knew that white man because he had that white blood in him. He said, man, I know these crackers. They coming in to take this shit all the way over. You let this fucking white boy be the head like they talking, it's over for hip-hop. And trust, he knew that shit. He knew that. And, and where we at hey. now, bro? Where we yeah, at now? How you yeah. do is look at the condition we in now. He Nigga, came out with all no money out there, shit. You did. But what Eminem did was he broke any fucking boundary, man. He was in videos with wigs on like a motherfucking broad. This nigga was talking about killing this motherfucking girl and making this shit on a video, son. He was able to make a video with his daughter in it about killing their motherfucking mother. That shit crazy, boy. Crazy. They let this motherfucker make the video. What the fuck is y'all talking about, man? You the kid, what's going on here, man? Y'all bugging the fuck out. Y'all allow this to go on? 
But and from that point, man, what, what, what did they do? Did you break something like that? What did they do? They put a protection around this motherfucker where the motherfuckers wouldn't even come out, like you said, and speak against the nigga. No nope. one come out. You don't see niggas coming out really beefing with them and them and no shit like niggas. He get niggas running niggas out of the goddamn niggas will run another nigga up out, out of, of the goddamn a uh, uh, bit, my nigga. If a nigga bullshit, nigga. See, ooh, brother Tim, you on the night? Yeah, wait, wait, on it, huh? The other half, brother Tim. That's the other half. He had no beef. He had no beef. I can't even think of the person that Eminem had beef with in hip-hop, and everybody had some beef at some point in time. Even when they were shooting at 50, when niggas was going at 50 on the record, they still was going at Mob Deep. Cam and well, them was going at all of them. They was going at everybody who around y'all niggas. Look, look at the big picture. What movie just came out? The N.W.A. movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, when Dre left, he left everything. Mm-hmm. He had to sign with Jimmy Iovine and brought the white boy in the game. And Benzino pointed that shit out and got pulled out the game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because he made that first album one work shit. His well, first album that, it was a motherfucking total flop that been there, done that. That shit yeah. was out of there, nigga. <laughs> it was garbage. Iovine said, we got something for you, man. We look, fuck all that, man. Really, white boys in the game, man. With you, Dre, this number one hit. Now look at, look at, look, look. That, that's. Let's be real, man. Dre, I respect you. Well, let's, you know, we on some other shit tonight, but that's good because all this is tying to our topic. But Dre had made a lot of mistakes with contracts. You see what I'm saying? He's surrounded with a bunch of negative energy, my nigga. And I'm not hating on a nigga, but let's be real. You watch the movie. How the fuck Suge Knight got him out of the contract with Ruthless Records, right? He getting Ruthless Records, then boom. He started his own shit with Death Row. Leave that shit. Sign everything yep. over. And now the nigga's a billion days. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Oh, man. So I'm what I'm saying, he's responsible for the state of hip hop right now. He the only he the only billionaire in hip hop right now. And, and and that story goes even deeper than that. You know he what brought, I'm saying? <laughs> he legitimized the white boy and brought him in the game as the top nigga. And that gave him the that access. Right. Headphones that gave them access to these other endorsements that really made them get their money because they couldn't make it off of music. So you can't so say Eminem's name without saying Dr. Dre. I don't know. But like y'all just said earlier, nigga, that white boy would have had more beef and, like Slim Jesus would have right now. You see what I'm saying? Niggas ain't yep. going for that shit. Yup, yup. He would have had it just like how Slim Jesus got it when he came out. He'd have got the same business. And only a few people went at him, and every and anybody yo listen, man, yo listen, man, you was but, out. But I want to ask I want to bring this up too, though, man. This is another thing that fuck niggas out from not being able to really get the uh, get the money like we should be able to be getting off of our culture, man, in the rap game, man. You know about the Fifty Cent and Irv Gotti. 
You know what I'm saying? That that beef brought on the the feds coming in raiding Irv Gotti them uh uh place right. Not only did they it, not only did they uh, raid that, they raided Jay Prince in the south, and they raided Young Shug out there on the west. Well, what was them boys trying to do at that particular time? What was them free men in particular trying to do at that particular time? That's what they was. They was trying to do distribution. They all got raided the same exact day. Exactly, family, exactly to rival them white boys. Now what? This one we gotta have to look at Dre as a as an ultimate race trader, bro. We're gonna have to look at this nigga as one, bro. We're gonna have to look at Fifty Cent as one, bro. These niggas is not. These niggas had not had our good intentions at heart, my nigga. We knew what we we knew what they were trying to do. Well, what were the niggas who snitched trying to do? Come on, water, my nigga. You see the point I'm making? He's on that shit. Damn. The two niggas I'm pointing the finger at, and that shit is Fifty and Jay. Have y'all ever noticed y'all never see them niggas in the same place at the same time doing the same venture nowhere? Hmm. And you know, Jay was real close to that motherfucking um, murder incident. It was a surprise. Over time, they got money. You know, Dane was in on that. You know, Dane was in on that. Remember, Dane got hit too. Yeah, I'm watching... Um. I'm on YouTube, and I'm listening to Cameron on the Breakfast Club a while back, right? And Cameron, you know, Cameron was signed to Rockefeller, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Dipset is banned from the 44 Club for life. <laughs> yeah. He tell him, like, like how, uh, 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 what's old boy name? What's the wild nigga that's from the Dipset? What's the wild one? Uh... They don't exactly like they wild at some point in time. Ooh, Jim Jones. That, they hype man. They hype man. Keefe, something like that. He in the 40 Club. Oh, and he can, yeah, he, he getting escorted out by bodyguards, you know. And I'm like, Jay got a lot of... <laughs> he got escorted out. Hmm. Now, outside... Of Jay Z, when when Cam first joined, he was the only platinum nigga on Rockefeller. Dame from Harlem too. Harlem niggas is flamboyant, but let's be real, Harlem niggas is flamboyant because what's the history of Harlem? Malcolm X died in Harlem, right? When you look when you when you can go on YouTube. They called Harlem was the the Negro Metropolitan. Yeah, it's the Mecca. Always been it's always been the black like you know what I'm saying. That's where black people at. Harlem is the motherfucking black capital of the world. Like, Harlem. Come to Harlem. You're going to see black everything. Now, this is something to think about. Why did Jay move? I I, I ain't never been to New York. But, nigga, you know, I study. I ain't no dummy. Why Why did Jay bring, you know, the Nets to Brooklyn and not to Harlem? I'll tell you this, ain't nowhere to put them in Harlem. Ain't nowhere to put them. Ain't nowhere to put them in Harlem. You can't open up some parts of Manhattan? Hmm. 
Where that shit, just, yo, ain't nowhere to put them at. I wouldn't even, I couldn't even see where you could put them at in Harlem. How they put them in, what got knocked down in Brooklyn for the new Brooklyn building? And then, what the that's playing? That's a new stadium, ain't it? Yeah, it's a new stadium, but it was already an old stadium that was there a long time ago. So they took some part, some more of the land and shit from the people, but it was already some older shit already there. Because remember, Brooklyn... They Brooklyn, had, okay, okay, let me ask you a question. Had, they had still had... All, all of them the same size as it is now, as it was, like when Malcolm X was coming to Mark and Garvey days? Is Harlem the same size? Yeah. What do you mean, like, population-wise? No. You mean, like, yeah. I'm saying, you mean, like, land-wise? Land-wise. It's always been, it ain't, it ain't grew no land or took none away. Always been the same part. Yeah. All started 110th Street, always. When you look and you see the gentrification that's taking place in Harlem. Oh, yeah, no, it's going down. But they... Well, well, it's because they turn the Harlem to a part of this. It's going to be Manhattan. It's just going to be... That's, that's what I'm saying. How big was Manhattan back then? When Manhattan was a lot smaller, huh? Yeah, now Manhattan... Like, all of it is really Manhattan. Harlem is really upper Manhattan. Like, like when you look at it, it's, it's the whole thing is Manhattan. The whole island is Manhattan. You know what I'm saying? And Harlem is just the upper part of Manhattan. From 110th Street up, it's called Harlem, where the black people at. Okay. It's still Manhattan. It's still upper Manhattan. And, like, they wouldn't build, that's what I'm saying, like, why build a stadium? You already got, the garden is on the island already. The garden is there. That's the New York, that's the New York. Garden is in Manhattan? And Brooklyn already got the Mets there. They got the Mets out there. You know what I'm saying? So the the, so, so the Garden is in Manhattan? Yeah, the Garden is in Manhattan. The Knicks play in Manhattan? Yeah. Okay, okay. So you wanna bring the you wanna bring the Nets there? Because that's just gonna be another team right in Manhattan. Yeah. Well they got it. I'm saying L.A. bigger than fucking Manhattan. <laughs> L.A. got way more, way more fucking space than Manhattan. Manhattan is a is an island, man. It's really a little island. You can drive the whole. Manhattan compared to L.A. would be compared downtown L.A. to Manhattan. That's what they're trying to make downtown L.A. look like. Black power, viral. Black power, see. Hello. Yo, What's up, bro? My brother, I mean, to just cut in like that, Yeah, nah, but you gave him good, you know what I'm saying? You let him know something that I couldn't let him know. So, like, by, 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 the by, brother born been the brother born been to L.A. and uh, Manhattan, though, so he knows. I think brother uh uh, uh, uh has too, though. Now, brother Rahevu has. I ain't been there. I've been there when I was a child. And I was too young to know what the fuck L.A. really looked like. I'll be back, though. I'm coming black. But Brother Rahe Wu, you know, he gave that good comparison. So so that's what, you know, if you say that, that's the size of, of what Manhattan is. So it would, it would be like, nah, there's no reason to put another team up in Harlem. Like, nah. Brooklyn a little bit off, a little ways off. 
So you go put that out there in Brooklyn. Like I said, Brooklyn already had, like, Brooklyn already had, it got space out there. They already had fields and stuff that was already out there. Plus, you already got the Mets out there also. Where the Mets play at? In Brooklyn. Okay. But yeah, getting back to the to, to both them cats though, man. Uh, you know, I question both them dudes. Uh, That's the house Negro, Phil Negro. You got that? Who the Phil one? Fifty or, or or Jay? You never hear about them niggas in the same sentence, and they on the same. Well, I thought they were. They in the same. They in the same tax bracket, right? Nah. Whole barn like that, huh? Yeah, I think Jay might be in a different. He might be in a different zone. You ain't hearing nothing about Jay got tax problems. You know what I'm saying? Fifty got tax problems. You got tax problems. I mean, you know, you might be in a high bracket, but not no. He got tax problems. He getting sued right now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. No, listen, right. But he got he got this he 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 done already been sued. He's paying that money up right now. He paying oh, that, yeah, he's paying that right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. bankruptcy shit didn't work. Yeah, some of that vitamin water, a lot of that shit that he put oh, out. When he said he he, he didn't he file bankruptcy? Yeah, he filed bankruptcy. But I'm saying like a lot of the ventures, a lot of the the, the major things that he put out, like he got smaller ventures that he's doing. But a lot of the major ventures that he put money into ain't really ain't really going nowhere. He he a boxing promoter. You know what I'm saying? He putting money into that. He had them them G unit sneakers. That's out of there. You know what I'm saying? He had those little clothes that he was putting out. You don't see no G unit clothes on nobody. People ain't even wearing it. And out here, people don't wear it because these jokers made a whole like they crazy. They made a whole crip game called the G unit. So yeah. Nobody's wearing that because now it's what the fuck. Now you know associated it with a whole game. Now this is out here. People don't even wear. What else? He had that. He had the um the the fifty cent vitamin water where you know he had some purple vitamin water with his name up there and shit. That's gone. He sold that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He got a couple. He he doing a um. Uh, you know he he getting residuals off a couple movies. He didn't did some movies though. He got movie money coming in. I say that he got that movie money coming in. Six, the one that his venture too, G Six. Hmm. Remember the Pontiacs that came out? Uh. Uh-uh. The Pontiac G Six. Uh. I think I know what you're talking about, but I ain't for sure. Is it? Uh. It looks. Uh, it's what it looks like. Right, you right on all this. You right on the. You know, I'm just adding on. The, all this ventures is kind of like. Yeah, yeah, dried up. Yeah, a lot of major ventures dried up. Like, so I'm not saying that he don't have other ventures going, and that like he he poor. You know what I'm saying? But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that he had a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. So you know, when you're looking at them, when you see, if you just look up here, you just see that when you you know. Um, Jay Z took his, you know, he took his move, move this stuff into a different stratosphere. And ain't telling nobody how. Nope, he don't get it back. You know what I'm saying? But you know, that's what it is, man. 
But you the know, house who was smart, Negro man. It's the house Negro and the field Negro man. It's two different attitudes and mentalities, man. Two different who attitudes. The field Negro. On the who the field Negro. Who would you say the Phil Negro is? Inside the hip hop industry? Yeah. Who been doing some Phil, Phil nigga shit? Nah, y'all. Phil nigga shit is some shit like all right, modern day shit. It's like how all the niggas from Cameron and them team was able to get their own motherfucking type of deal and be able to get their own money somehow, some way. Yeah. I feel nigga shit. I'm already in here, mama, but so what? I'm in here, I'm a, and I'm going to be able, if I can get y'all in, in this motherfucker too, if we all get still, let us all steal from these motherfuckers too. Let's all steal at one time. Yeah. I'm stealing too. You know what I'm saying? Some goody mob niggas was going to steal niggas where well, they was, like um, outcasts. They made sure they, they niggas got on for a minute. You know who I see on right now? Before, if you watch, like, I've been watching Suge Knight lately, you know what I'm saying? Ever since, you ain't, you ain't going to hear about Suge, man, what he finna go through, right? But TMZ was on his bumper before he caught that case, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And every scene you see catching him in traffic, you catch him in that red truck. The same red truck they say he hit him with. short. He was on a... Uh, uh, a radio program. He was on a talk show program, and he said two of the top selling artists from Compton got the shittiest records from Interscope. I heard that. You talking about Game and Kendrick? And Kendrick Lamar and the Game. And I'm gonna say this: Kendrick been on some field nigga shit because if that's true, that probably speaks on why his music so. You probably got a shitty deal. And the fact that when he got his bread, that nigga didn't go buying no mansion. That nigga bought a house out in East Valley, California. You see what I'm saying? I'm like 15 minutes from there. You see what I'm saying? And right now he on some real field nigga shit. That, you know what I mean? In regards to, man, you told him, you told him the radio, you ain't going to hear no lyrics. These niggas talking about it's going down in the DM. Hundred. 500 times a day where I'm at. I don't know where y'all at. Do that song play where y'all at? <laughs> I hate that song. Yeah, man. I don't know what the fuck you're playing. It's going down in the deal. It's like, <laughs> and it's, sound like it's hooks. All the, song, all the songs sound like that. I stayed in Memphis. My kid folks in Memphis. You know, in Tennessee, and it's, you know, that's the south version of Waholi you know, our holy city in, in Egypt. It's a pyramid. You know, the Mississippi is the Nile, right? And out of Memphis is a rapper called Lord Infamous. Y'all remember Lord Infamous? Mm-hmm. But, 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 that's what it, they, they copying that nigga's whole style. That shit was from the 90s. When he was with Triple Six Mafia. You know what I'm saying? Memphis, influ- Memphis music influenced a lot of ATL music. And ATL run the South. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What's the old boy name? Uh, 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 what's the fat nigga name? Like a Pillberry Doe boy. He's a producer. Jack the Fat from Memphis. Oh, 8-Ball? No, Jack, yeah, 8-Ball MDG from Orange Mountain, Memphis. 
But Jazzy Faye, you heard the producer? It's Jazzy Faye. Yeah. From Memphis. Straight down uh, old 78. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. And it's crazy because why would, you know, that's another thing. When we talk about ancestors, deification of land, the South is sacred. Not because it's a lot of, it's the reason why there's a lot of black people down there in the history, but it's the agriculture. Yo, yo, you're saying that a lot of, a lot of cities in the South, a lot of cities in the South, you'll find they got names of either African countries or cities that you'll find, but not, I ain't going to say a lot, but more than, more than what you expect, the unusual amount. I have names of African countries or cities. Mm-hmm. Going to that Mississippi Valley. You know what I'm saying? Where you at, where you at brother, uh, brother, 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 uh, born in, you in Connecticut, the Iroquois Indians. Real- so when, you at, when you look at the Iroquois Indians all the way down to the region of the Ohio Valley Indians, you got mounds all over there. Mm-hmm. Why you don't have solid brick pyramids? It's because of the geography. And those stones. And those stones there. And those stones. Is Connecticut mad important? Because like it was a place they wanted to be at because Connecticut is natural. Got stone here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Lots of stones. We had a show a while back. I think you remember this. But right where you at, there's an old river. Native Americans have been gathering shellfish from that region from Paleolithic time. You see what I'm saying? In my opinion, I ain't seen all of America, but in my opinion, all universities, all landmarks that the Europeans have chosen are demarcations of sacred ground Native people here in this country that served as military points later. Am I making sense? I'll have to take a look and see. Where are you, where are you at, New Haven? Where the university is at? A university, they don't build shit by coincidence. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. European likes to take your culture, the European likes to take our cultural centers and turn them into universities. You see the point I'm making? Mm-hmm. This is yeah, what's holding man for your people. That, that the white man be having, you know, like he, the white man believe in ley lines and shit like that. Right, man, like, the university, like the University of California, uh, a state, some of I went to, it lies very strategically by the San Andreas Fault overseeing Highland, Overseeing old uh, old lands of the Serrano Indians. You see what I'm saying? They even got they even got missionaries. They even got missionaries preserved from the 1800s and shit. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you saying that, I'm just thinking about the things that the things that I've seen and heard. White people try to explain for the different things going on on the on the planet, but they got this thing about 
the planet is surrounded by like an electrical grid. So I just was, I was wondering, if, you know, some of these universities would lay on some of them, some of those electrical grid lines that they that they always espouse exist on the planet. When you talk to Europeans, is the conversation is one of you getting information from them by what they omit, because historically, and I'm I'm being hunted when I say this, historically. No true European could go past the Bible or the history of the Bible. I'm going to say that again. No European, even if he claims to be a scientist, science for Europeans was created by them revolting the logic of the Bible. You see what I'm saying? The first enemy of science was the church. We don't have to identify with this culture because this is not our culture at all. You see what I'm saying? We were smelting iron, which is a science in itself, a rite of passage. We didn't use it for weaponry and so forth, but I'm saying all that the same. When you talk to Europeans, your whole conversation should be orientated on just getting information from them and what they omit. Because if you talk to them too long about history, the Bible's going to come up. It's funny because, and even if they don't mention the Bible itself, they will give biblical references. Well, in the civilization of Mesopotamia, you see what I'm saying? And and. A, a competent historian to sit back and reflect on that and will notice that. And that's the game that's been running around since 1949 that Malcolm was talking about. If the same creators of the NAACP were Jewish and created the Jewish state, how the fuck we, why are we still waiting to get liberation in Africa? You see what I'm saying? Well, maybe because the NAACP wasn't created for the aspirations of black people. But for semi, semi, semi colored color people, that's what a Jew is. Uh, he's, a fifth, he's a fifth generation. You see what I'm saying? But somewhere in there, he got somebody of color. Stop. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Are you you're saying that, brother Makerbot? I'm gonna touch this piece real quick for our brother Malcolm real fast. What is your real name? Malcolm. Malcolm X. Uh, is that your legal name? As far as I'm concerned, it's my legal name. Have you been to court to establish? I, don't, I didn't have to go to court to be called Murphy or Jones or Smith. Excuse me for answering you this way. That's if right. a Chinese person were to say his name was Patrick Murphy, uh, a European name or the name that uh, has a Caucasian or, or a white background, and a yellow person, Chinese is a yellow man, and uh, he has nothing to do or no connection whatsoever with the name Murphy. And if it doesn't look proper for a person who is yellow or Chinese to be walking around named Murphy or Jones or Johnson or Bunch or Powell, uh, I think it would be just as improper for a black person or the so-called Negro in this country, as we're taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, to walk around with these names. And therefore, he teaches us that during slavery, 
the same slave master who owned us uh, put his last name on us to denote that we were his property. So that when you see a Negro today who's named Johnson, if you go back in his history, you'll find that he was once his grandfather or one of his forefathers was owned by a white man who was named Johnson. His name is Bunch. His, his grandfather was owned by a I white man point. that was uh, named Bunch. Would you mind telling me what your father's last name was? My father didn't know his last name. My father got his last name from his grandfather, and his grandfather got it from his grandfather, who got it from the slave master. The real names of our people were destroyed well, during slavery. Any, was there any line, uh, any point in, in the genealogy of your family when you did have to use the last name? And if so, what was it? The last name of my forefathers yeah. was taken from them when they were brought to America and made slaves. And then the name of the slave master was given, which we refused, we rejected that name today. You mean you, mean you won't even tell me what your father's supposed last name was or gifted last name was? I never acknowledge it whatsoever. Let me ask you about the, the status of Elijah Muhammad. First of all, is he ill? I spoke to him today. He is in better health than he has been. He's suffering from asthmatic bronchitis. Is that why he didn't attend your rally on last Tuesday? The only reason that he didn't attend was his uh, ill condition. And the weather here, especially on that particular day, was of such nature that it would have been almost insane for him to come. Well, now, did you hold that meeting last Tuesday because it coincided with the uh, general election, the primary election? I think if you study the history of Mr. Muhammad's work and religious work in this country, he's been, we've had our convention on February the 26th every year for, I think, the past 33 years. Well, now... Well, while you don't uh, care to discuss your former name or the name that the slave master gave to your antecedents, uh, it is a matter of record that uh, Mohammed's last name was Poole, Elijah Poole. No, that's the name that his slave master gave to his uh, grandfather or great-grandfather, but that's not his name. Well, his mother and father thought when they called him Elijah Poole that that was his name. They didn't know any better. Well, if they didn't know any better or not, that, they thought that was his name. Yes, sir, but, sir. So what I'm trying to find out is when did he cease to be Elijah Poole and get to be Elijah Muhammad? In 1931, I think it was, in Detroit, he was taught the true history of our people and made aware at that time that he was wearing an English name, and by not being an Englishman, he looked out of place. And uh, his teacher gave him the name that he's wearing today, Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad. All right, now when did he become what he purports to be in your literature, the son of Allah? I've never heard the Honorable Elijah Muhammad referred to as the son the of Allah. The prophet of Allah. Okay. I've never heard him referred to as the prophet of Allah. What do you refer to as? Messenger of Allah. All right, the messenger of Allah, and I... Appreciate the correction. Yes, I mean, he says that a prophet is somebody who predicts the future, and he's not predicting the future, whereas a messenger is someone who carries a message that has been given to him by one who authors that message. Well, now, who gave him the message, and to whom is it supposed to be delivered? Master W.F. Muhammad, the one who taught him, is the author of the message. He gave it to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, which makes him the messenger. And he's to deliver that message of truth and righteousness to the 20 million American so-called Negroes, which means he's to teach us the truth, which will awaken us, and then show us how to live a life of righteousness, which will automatically qualify us for recognition as human beings by all other righteous human beings here on this earth. Well, now, one other question. Uh, with reference to what Mr. Herbert asked you a little bit ago, uh, you took a very moderate position of, uh, of wanting independence without having any hatred for the, for the whites. 
that, do I understand that correctly? Hatred is not involved in it whatsoever. Well, I recall uh, in a recent plane crash, I mean two or three years ago or less than that, a charter flight on Air France uh, in which a group of people from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, were, as they say, in the uh, business, uh, as they took off from, uh, from Arley Field. And you were quoted at that time as expressing great gratification that this tragedy had occurred. Do you recall that? I recall it. What did uh, you say? Was, you remember? Uh, the press misinterpreted it and misrepresented it. What did you say? They said that it was made at a Muslim meeting. It wasn't. It was made at a rally of Negroes, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, and otherwise in Los Angeles, who were rallying to protest the brutal shooting of uh, seven unarmed Negroes and what did you by say? heavily armed white policemen in the city of Los Angeles. And because we are a people who have been taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad to never carry weapons of any kind, but to get on God's side and rely on God to fight our battles for us, uh, at the time that these brothers were shot down so brutally, I pointed out at the funeral of the brother who died that God would step in and take a hand in giving us some form of justice for the brutal killing of our brother. And when the plane crashed in France, uh, I pointed out to the crowd at this rally that this was an act of God showing his wrath or complete uh, resentment over the brutal uh, form of injustice that had been inflicted upon our poor unarmed brothers. Were you saying that, or do you believe that? At that time, Dr. Billy Graham was in a crusade in Chicago, and the press, your papers here in this city, uh, quoted Billy Graham of also saying that that pl uh, plane crash was an act of God. And if you take time to check the newspapers, I think that you'll find that this is correct. But no one thought that Billy Graham was so wrong when he attributed the crash of this plane to his God. But when we say that it come from our God, then we're looked upon as being, you well, know, outraged. I know, but you took the position that uh, this was a matter of satisfaction to you for an injustice done against you, and I think that that's a trifle severe. We did not think that it was a coincidence that 120 of the whites on this plane came from the state of Georgia, a state that has the worst record in history in the history of America for the mistreatment of black people uh, in this country. Worse than Mississippi? Uh, well, uh, they maybe are a little less, uh, Mississippi is a little less hypocritical today than Georgia, but both of them are still practicing the same thing. Uh, now the, the whites in Georgia bite Negroes with a smile, whereas they used to bite them with a growl. But they're still being bitten, and we don't think that it is, that it is any worse to be bitten with a smile than it is to be bitten with a growl. Mr. Calvert. While we're on the subject of uh, Mississippi, what is uh, your organization's position of what happened in Mississippi uh, in the past? Such as what? Such as the uh, James Meredith incident and the enrollment of him in the university. Well, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad wants justice for every one of the 20 million so-called Negroes. And to just take one Negro and stick him in, in college uh, with, uh, with the aid of six, I think six, uh, 15,000 troops and at a cost of $6,000, is a disgrace. It's a waste of taxpayers' money. It's a farce. It's hypocrisy. Because if it's right for uh, one Negro to be forced into that university, then every Negro in the state of Mississippi who is qualified has the same right to go to that university. And if the government is not uh, ready and willing to uh, enforce the rights of every Negro in the state of Mississippi, then, uh, in my opinion, sir, it's only hypocrisy to pretend that uh, they are for justice uh, by pushing one Negro in and 
blowing it up all over the world to make it look like they're solving the problem when millions of black people in that state are still going to uh, segregated schools and getting an inferior education. Does your organization encourage members to uh, uh, attempt to enter schools that have been known as all white? Uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad doesn't discourage us from attending white schools, but he does say that uh, it is better for us to go to our own schools. And after we have a thorough knowledge of ourselves, of our own kind, and uh, racial dignity has been uh, instilled within us, then we can go to anyone's school and we'll still retain our race pride, our racial dignity, and we will be able to avoid the subservient inferiority complex that most Negroes have or are, that is instilled within most Negroes who receive this sort of integrated education. Wow. I love I love that um interview right there because it shows you the um the facetious nature of the cracker, you know what I mean? And show you how Malcolm stayed poised and really checked the the curiosity of the European at the same time letting him know I'm not I'm not taking the bait. You know, making skillful uh, uh errors in an attempt to make you look like a buffoon and then correcting himself when he said, uh, uh, he already knew when Elijah Poole made his name. He already knew Elijah, uh, uh, Muhammad never said he was the, uh, uh, messenger of a, uh, apostle of a law. He was just waiting for the correction. You see what I'm saying? What the white man do? He'll just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. that in their culture too, brother Born. If you have a um very cultural name, I'm not gonna say a, a, a difficult name to pronounce because if you know the culture it's very easy to pronounce. It's one who is, you know, solely invested one's ideas in one's culture that is, you know, when anything that's outside is is is, is uh you know foreign. And Europeans I've noticed if you have a very cultural distinguished name and if they can't, if they, you know, if it's culturally, you know, pronounced, they won't even make an attempt. They'll say they'll they'll go for a, a shortcut, often an American name, and we'll call you that. And that's the first war that takes place because it's individual coming from a rich culture. The title that one was given is very important, imposing to the title that one is imposing on another. You see what I'm saying? To the European, it's like, hey, I can't pronounce that. What did you say your name was? Mikarab? Mikarab? Well, I, I, I'll just call you this. And if Mikarab say, okay, that's cool, I've just lost the first battle regarding the title I choose to give myself or was given to me. You see what I'm saying? And the European is sitting back and saying, well, now what else would this nigga compromise? He's already compromised the title. You see what I'm saying? That's right. If that cracker name is Luckowitz, that motherfucker will make sure you pronounce it Lucka Luckowitz. Use your vowels, right? <laughs> if, 
in an attempt to get you to accept calling him by that, that title. But the, the the slave master don't have to, he call you by whatever the fuck you want to call you. You see what I'm saying? That was a good piece right there, brother boy, that you pulled up regarding the titles we give ourselves and um, the titles that individuals choose to give us because white folks treat black folks like hot dogs. They just put anything on us. You hear me? Mm-hmm. I got one too. I got one too. When you get through, um, you know, regarding um Malcolm exposing the Nation of Islam pact with the KKK, and Malcolm pointing out that you won't find no African teachings in the Nation of Islam. So when you get through, let me know, and I'll play that. I would like to know: Do any of y'all have the speech that Malcolm made after the uh, bombing on his house, man? You know what I'm saying? It's the speech where he put to rest all that bullshit about how he uh, supposedly changed his ideology on his way on his way back from his uh, from his uh, what do they call it in Muslim in in, in Islam? Go to Mecca, right? Yeah. Um, I don't. We we can pull that up, but I do have. We do touch on that in this speech where he talk about the nation of Islam. Pack with the KKK, and um, he's going through a lot of shit dealing with um, the misleading information regarding. You can never say that the Nation of Islam is an African or pro African organization. Yo, brother, brother Temp, have you guys, uh, man, I think I've seen that, um, but I can't remember why I've seen the video last. If you got it, can you throw it in the chat room or uh, something like that? that I can, I'll just... My problem, my problem, man, is I don't know the name of the speech. Uh, yeah, that's... So, I know the speech it, was, it was a speech he made on the day of the house bombing. Yeah. When he said, I had to face reality. Mm-hmm. America just ain't no place of brotherhood, nigga. So all that shit went out the door. Why niggas want to talk about Malcolm was changing and doing all this other shit? You know, he like to do it. You know, like to make Malcolm sound like he was turning towards a Martin Luther King type nigga. Right. He put that in his book when he went to Mecca. Um, the Arabs had asked him, um, how could you follow an individual like Elijah Muhammad who perverted Islam? And Malcolm responded, how could you allow a man like that to rise? Uh, people got to understand that prior to the nation of Islam, the Muslims that were non-African that were here were making salat in garages. They were turning their their garages into musullas. That's a that's that's a basic form of a prayer, you know, an attempt to have a mosque. You see what I'm saying? So. You can credit the black Muslim movement for giving Europeans the okay for having mosques here. Because I promise you, find me a mosque in America prior to the Nation of Islam. I'll wait. 
because of the Crusades, the Protestant Europeans, the WASP, the white Anglo-Saxon Europeans had a strict tolerance and policy for Muslims. The Protestants learned from the mistakes of the Catholic Church when dealing with Islam or dealing with Muslims or dealing with Mohammedans. I'm going to get historically correct. Walter Williams is in my ear right now. The Mohammedans. Why am I saying that? Because the Protestant Europeans got into the slave trade late. There's a unique relationship between so-called Protestant Anglo-Saxons, the Catholic Church, the slave trade, and the morals. A lot of niggas don't want to deal with that. You talk to any so-called more, these niggas want to jump from the Middle Ages or the 1500s. They skip over Columbus and get right to these treaties. They don't want to deal with the aspect of their involvement in the slave trade. Before we're going to get anywhere, I'm going to more show you treaties from America. I guarantee you that those treaties are post-1491. Because in 1491, when Isabella gave the Moors the eviction papers, And they went to the slave trade. How did they find Son God? These were Arabs. These were motherfuckers who never went to the interior of Africa. Who showed them? A preview to this Saturday's slaughterhouse. I'm saying all that to say. What they have in common is they mislead us by giving us false information on the history of Africa and their relationship to it. A lot of motherfuckers' history began with contact with our ancestors. A lot of them know this and prey on that historical relationship to this day and bring you individuals like Eminem and Drake to make it relevant now. Why do we allow them to dominate our culture? Why are we confident in that? Why have we been con- convinced that we cannot produce anything, manage anything, own anything? Why is success based on a contract relationship with our enemy? These are questions we must ask because the best lecture ever given to speak to the relevancy now, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, what do we tell our youngsters? What are we telling our youngsters? What are we teaching our youngsters? Are we just celebrating 
American culture about celebrating 4th of July and dare not tell them about Malcolm X, dare not tell them about Marcus Garvey, dare not tell them about racism, or are we spewing the rhetoric of of integrationalists? Integrationalists who spend their time trying to please a culture that never wanted or needed them. What is the relationship of history with all of this? If knowing something about yourself improves yourself, the one that's trying to destroy you must make sure you know nothing about yourself. This is Mikawa X just spewing some rhetoric on Think Tank Thursday, but these are some things we may want to consider. Black Power. Black Power, man. The clip I want to play, man, it's a couple minutes. So how long is your clip? How could just kind of short, but it's going to get right to the point. It's going to set up yours, I think, because it's dealing with this lesson. There's no organization in this country that could do more for the struggling black man than the black Muslim movement if it wanted to. But it has gotten into the possession of a man who's got become senile in his old age and perhaps doesn't realize it. And then he has surrounded himself by his children who are now in power and want nothing but luxury and security and comfort and will do anything to safeguard their own interests. So uh, I feel responsible for having played a major role in developing a criminal organization. It, it, It was not a criminal organization at the outset. It was an organization that had the power, the spiritual power, to reform the criminal. And, and this is what you have to understand. As long as that strong spiritual power was in the movement, it gave the, it gave the moral strength to the believer that would enable him to rise above all his negative tendencies. I know, because I, I, I went into the movement with more negative tendencies for the betterment of the community by any means necessary. And since, since tonight we had to get into this old nasty negative subject, we didn't want to bring up our program. We're going to have... But as the African nation got we became proud of it. And when they became proud of it, we began to have something with it. But you mentioned uh, the conspiracy the black Muslims and the white wing in this country. I mentioned the conspiracy between the Muslims and the right wing in this country. I know for a fact that there is a conspiracy between among between the Muslims and the uh, uh, Lincoln Rockwell Nazi and also the Ku Klux Klan. There is a conspiracy. Ooh, let's get into this. Well, the Ku Klux Klan made a deal, or were trying to make a deal with Elijah Muhammad in 1960 in the home of Jeremiah X, the minister in Atlanta at that time, who was president of the minister in uh, Philadelphia. They were trying to make a deal with him to make available to Elijah Muhammad a county, a size tract of land in Georgia or South Carolina where Elijah Muhammad could then 
uh, induce Negroes to migrate and make it appear that his program of a segregated state or separated state was feasible. And uh, to what extent these negotiations finally developed, I do not know, because I was not involved in them beyond the period of uh, December 19, uh, 1960. But I do know that after that, Jeremiah, who was the minister throughout the South, could roam the entire South and the Klan not bother him in any way, shape, or form, nor would they bother any of the black Muslims from then on, nor would the black Muslims bother the Klan. Are you implying then that because of this conspiracy, the attempt was made upon your life? No, the attempt could have been made upon my life. Are you inferring that because of this conspiracy, the attempt was made on your life? Not necessarily that conspiracy. The attempt was made upon my life because I speak my mind and I know too much. And they know that I was speaking whether they like it or not. Pardon me? Am I urging my followers to take action against the Muslims? No. No. Uh, am I going to try and infiltrate their organization and win over some of their supporters? No, I have never tried to win supporters from Elijah Muhammad. Since I have left the black Muslim movement, I've spoken at these rallies, those who come, come, those who don't, don't. But I've never gone out of my way to win over any of his followers. And he himself is fearful because he knows that you don't have to exercise too much energy to win his followers. As soon as they know truth and compare the two, uh, and by the way, this is the brother, this is, <laughs> didn't see you there, brother. This is Leon Amir, who was Cassius Clay's secretary, whom they beat unmercifully up in Boston. And the, the court freed the men who beat him. They fined him $100, was it? Fined him $100. And uh, he was on the inside of the black Muslim uh, specialty squad. And, and, and I know it. And it was he who heard Elijah Muhammad Jr. come to New York when Elijah Muhammad was at the armory in June of last year. Junior stood up and told the fruit, many of whom are here now also, that uh, I should have been killed, that my tongue should have been put in an envelope and sent back to Chicago by now. And because Fat Joseph had not done it, they demoted him. He remained captain, but Clarence up in Boston was put over Joseph. And, and Joseph's uh, authority was curtailed. And then Clarence, the captain from Boston, and uh, John, the captain from Springfield, came to New York to assassinate me and came to him to get a silencer and couldn't get it. So the, the police know this. It's not something that's new. They just wait until the job is done and then they step in. Yes, now, Elijah Muhammad invited, uh, called all of his officials, national officials, to Chicago in October and ordered them to kill or maim any of his followers who leave him to follow me. Well, uh, you, when you say, how do I know, many of the brothers who were in at that time are out now. And if this ever come into the court, there are plenty of witnesses who can stand up and testify to it. Pardon? Pardon. 
I'd rather not say at this time. When you say you know too much, what do you mean? Who's the next one? Give him, give him two more minutes. Give them two more minutes and we'll end it. Yes. Yes. When I said that no one can clean up our home but us. And that we will clean it up, including the, and no and, and no one should control it but us, including the politics. What do I mean? I mean exactly that. That the black people. You thinking of who? Powell. Powell. Powell's one of us. No, he's not a member of our organization, but when I say he's one of us, I mean he's one of the family. And, and no one outside the family can get us to talk about him. If we talk about him, we talk about him within the family. But nobody outside the family can instigate us against Paul. Yes. By, by controlling it politically, I mean that the politics of the community of Harlem should be controlled by those of us who live in Harlem, not by somebody sitting down in Gracie Mansion. <laughs> Sir? Uh, no, uh, but the organization of Afro-American Unity intends to get involved in every kind of action that's going on in New York City. We don't intend to let anybody downtown influence us in any way, shape, or form. We want the influence to come from Harlem and from, and from other Harlems around the country. Now, this doesn't mean we're anti-outside of Harlem. This doesn't mean we're anti-Bronx or anti-White Plains or anti-White or anti-German or anything like that. But it means we're pro-Harlem. We're pro-ourselves. We want to start doing something for ourselves. That's all it means. It means that we, we want to stop begging you for your school. We want you to we, get out of the way and let us straighten out the schools in Harlem. Yes, sir. I just answered it when I said from tonight on there'll be a hot town in the hot time in the old town. I answered it when this gentleman over here asked. It's a song that we used to sing. An implication, an implied threat. I never imply any threats to anyone. I'm a Muslim. My religion is Islam. It's a religion of peace. And sir. Yes, I do believe there'll be further attempts on my life. I know them. They're foaming at the mouth. Uh, the rank-and-file Muslim means well. It's those at the hierarchy who are living off the fatted calf who don't mean well. And uh, this coming Sunday at uh, 2 o'clock, as I say, our, our program will be unfolded. Elijah Muhammad knows he has done some good things, and he has done some bad things. Uh, he knows that if he had wanted to, he could have... Uh, united our people with the Muslim world just by teaching the right religion of Islam. He could have done so. The entire Muslim world would have accepted him. As it is now, the Muslim world has rejected him. 
He can never go into the Muslim world saying that he's a prophet or that Allah came over here in the flesh. They would cut his head off if he said that over there. I mean, he knows this. Uh, none of his followers can go over there without denouncing him. It's impossible for them to go to Mecca or any other place unless they ascribe to Islam as it is ascribed to over there. So he was in a position to unite us with the Muslim world, those of us who are Muslim. He was also in a position to unite us with Africa. But you cannot read anything that Elijah Muhammad has ever written that's pro-African. I defy you to find one word in his direct writing that's pro-African. You can't find it. Well, that was just called Nick right now, man. Not one word. Asiatic black man. Asiatic black man. Where? <laughs> Take our mind completely off Africa. Where? Talk to niggas who are Moors now and all that shit. It will be more. You will see. You it will be easier to see Malcolm X at a red, black, and green convention at the age of seventy-five, like Walter Williams, on some red, black, and green, than to see him at a Muslim convention. You see what I'm saying? He was more African than he was Islam. He left the nation of Islam to identify with 22 million blacks who weren't Muslim. You see, you see the point I'm making? I say. He was a man. Hey, was, Islam was working for him as an individual. But individualism is one of preference, which you prefer and which you don't prefer. And some of our black people may not prefer Islam. And here this man was willing to go outside of his comfort zone, which was his preference of mold, which is Islam, to touch the mind of non-Muslims who identify with him because of the social class and the race and the, hist the historical relationship with Africa. You see what I'm saying? So for individuals who... We'll say, well, Malcolm was a Muslim. Malcolm was a lot of things. And as a black man in America, you will be a lot of things. But in the end, if you can stand up tall and have your feet on the ground to be a successful man who can call himself an African, or just admit you African, you got niggas who run from that word. You see what I'm saying? I'm an Asiatic black man. Okay, well, you use the word black. Where'd the black man come from? Who's in Asia? You see what I mean? They will still fight you. So for him to know Africa first, it proves Dr. Clark's point when Dr. Clark said that history is a compass. You know what a compass is. We use the compass every day when we're looking for directions, trying to get to a location. And history is that compass. History tells us who we are, what we are, what we must be, and where we must go. If the individual's compass is not placed on Africa, 
have been the center mark of demarcation, then they are priests of confusion. Sitting here to confuse us. But there's a growing number of us who know history who are claiming the legacy of antiquity and won't stand for mythological pseudo-scholarship rooted in fraternity brotherhood. (laughs) You niggas is no better than Jesse Jackson hanging in the conscious community. And won't brag about your, you know, I would like to brag about having made contact with an African culture and tying to it than to show credit to a Masonic Brotherhood that was created off the, the backs of European women. This thing Tank Thursday is setting you up for slaughter. <laughs> Black here, on feet, here on feet on the ground, brother born was strategic in placing his order of souls all on European war days. Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday, Saturday. So it's very monumental that even though the cracker chose the calendar for 2016. The cracker chose well in picking Malcolm X's birthday to fall on Thursday. Black power. Black power, man. Black power, family. Black power. Yeah, I I just found out that uh, Dr. Clark was with Malcolm X. Uh, at that time, when they formed that, or Malcolm X formed that new group, yes, uh, what, the OAU, that that was that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Clark, Dr. Clark was with Malcolm. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's where Malcolm, when he was just, you know, he was always in and out of Harlem. And so Harlem being just a mecca for, for Africans and always having Africans who came through there, Harlem was where Dr. Clark was, Dr. Ben was. All they were doing their thing. They was out and about also with the people. So when you, you know, so since they was out and about doing their thing, they were creating uh, groups that were study groups and, and things of that nature to help Africans out. And so, you know, once uh, Malcolm really departed from the uh, Nation of Islam, that was who he really uh, rolled with, was Dr. Clark. And he also mentored uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Yes, sir. You know, I'll be done with Kwame also. All right, Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Nah, there's no. Damn. I, I'm trying to think it, though. I got a speech where he even mentioned that, but I don't. I can't break him back right now. Possibly to put that on. Possibly to put that on. But 
Yeah, I do. You finna play that clip, brother boy? Yeah. All right, let's get it on. To understand this, you have to go back to what young brother here referred to as the house Negro and the field Negro, back during slavery. There was two kinds of slaves. There was the house Negro and the field Negro. The house Negro, they lived in the house with master. They dressed pretty good. They ate good because they ate his food before he left. <laughs> they lived in the attic or the basement. But still, they lived near their master, and they loved their master more than the master loved himself. They would they would give their life. But boy, he's messing up. Yeah, it's breaking up, brother. The house Negro would fight harder to put yeah, the blaze out than the master would. The master more than the master loved himself. They would they would give their life to save the master's house quicker than the master would. The house Negro, if the master said, we got a good house here, the house Negro said, yeah, we got a good house here. Whenever the master said we, he said we. That's how you can tell a house Negro. If the master's, if the master's house caught on fire, the house Negro would fight harder to put the blaze out than the master would. If the master got sick, the house Negro would say, what's the matter, boss? We sick. We sick. <laughs> he identified himself with his master more than his master identified with himself. And if you came to the house Negro and said, let's run away, let's escape, let's separate, that house Negro would look at you and say, Man, you crazy. What you mean, separate? Where is there a better house than this? Where can I wear better clothes than this? Where can I eat better food than this? That was that house Negro. In those days, he was called a house nigger. And that's what we call him today because we still got some house niggers running around here.
What you mean separate from America? This good white man? Where you gonna get a better job than you get here? I mean, this is what you say. I, I ain't left nothing in Africa. That's what you say. Why you left your mind in Africa? <laughs> On that same plantation, there was the field Negro. The field Negro. Those were the masters. There was always more Negroes in the field than there was Negroes in the house. The Negro in the field caught hell. He ate leftovers. In the house, he ate high up on the hall. The Negro in the field didn't get nothing but what was left of the insides of the hall. They call them chitlins nowadays. <laughs> In those days, they call them what they were, guts. That's what you were, a gut eater. And some of you are still gut eaters. <laughs> the field Negro was beaten from morning till night. He lived in a shack, in a hut. He wore cast-off clothes. He hated his master. I say he hated his master. He was intelligent. That house Negro loved his master. But that field Negro, remember, they were in the majority. And they hated his master. When the house caught on fire, he didn't try and put it out. That field Negro prayed for a wind, <laughs> for a breeze. When the master got sick, the field Negro prayed that he died. If someone come to the field Negro and said, let's separate, let's run, he didn't say, where are we going? He said, any place is better than here. <laughs> You got field Negroes in America today. I'm a field Negro. The masters are the field Negroes. When they see this man's house on fire, you don't hear these little Negroes talking about our government is in trouble. They say the government is in trouble. <laughs> Imagine a Negro, our government. I even heard one say, our astronauts. They won't even let him near the plant. And our astronauts, our Navy, that's a Negro that's out of his mind. That's a Negro that's out of his mind. Just as the slave master in that day used Tom, the house Negro, keep the field Negroes in check. The same old slave master today has Negroes who are nothing but modern Uncle Toms, 20th century Uncle Toms, to keep you and me in check, keep us under control, keep us passive and peaceful and nonviolent. That's Tom making you nonviolent. 
It's like when you go to the dentist and the man is going to take your tooth. You're going to fight him when he starts pulling. So they squirt some stuff in your jaw called Novocaine to make you think they're not doing anything to you. So you sit there and because you got all that Novocaine in your jaw, you suffer peacefully. <laughs> Blood running all down your jaw. And you don't know what's happening. Because someone has taught you to suffer peacefully. The white man do the same thing to you in the street. When he's going to want to put knots on your head and take advantage of you and don't have to be afraid of you fighting back, to keep you from fighting back, you get these old religious Uncle Toms to teach you and me that just like Novocaine, suffer peacefully. Don't stop suffering, just suffer peacefully. As Reverend Cleet pointed out, let your blood flow in the streets. This is a shame. You know, he's a Christian preacher. If it's a shame to him, you know what it is to me. Nothing in our book, the Quran, as you call it, Koran, teaches us to suffer peacefully. Our religion teaches us to be intelligent, be peaceful, be courteous, obey the law, respect everyone. But if someone puts his hand on you, send them to the cemetery. <laughs> Tom to control them. 
The same strategy that was used in those days is used today by the same white man. He take a Negro, so-called Negro, and make him prominent, build him up, publicize him, make him a celebrity, and then he becomes a spokesman for Negroes and a Negro leader. I would like to just mention one thing else quickly, and that is the, the uh, method that the white man uses, how the white man uses these big guns or Negro leaders against the black revolution. They're not a part of the black revolution. They're used against the black revolution. When Martin Luther King failed to desegregate Albany, Georgia, the civil rights struggle in America reached its low point. King became bankrupt almost as a leader. Plus, even financially, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference was in financial trouble. Plus, it was in trouble, period, with the people when they failed to uh, desegregate Albany, Georgia. Other Negro civil rights leaders of so-called national stature became fallen idols. As they became fallen idols, began to lose their prestige and influence, local Negro leaders began to stir up the masses. In Cambridge, Maryland, Gloria Richardson. In Danville, Danville, Virginia, and other parts of the country, local leaders begin to stir up our people at the grassroots level. This was never done by these Negroes whom you recognize of national stature. They controlled you, but they never incited you or excited you. They controlled you. They contained you. They kept you on the plantation. As soon as King failed in Birmingham, Negroes took to the streets. King got out and went out to California to a big rally and raised about, I don't know how many thousands of dollars. Come to Detroit and had a march and raised some more thousands of dollars. And recall, right after that, Wilkins attacked King, accused King and the Corps of starting trouble everywhere and then making the NAACP get him out of jail and spend a lot of money, and then he accused King and Corps of raising all the money and not paying it back. This happened. I got it in documented evidence in the newspaper. Roy started attacking King, and King started attacking Roy, and Farmer started attacking both of them. And as these Negroes of national stature begin to attack each other, they begin to lose their control of the Negro mass. And Negroes was out there in the streets. They was talking about, we're going to march on Washington. By the way, right at that time, Birmingham had exploded, and the Negroes in Birmingham, remember, they also exploded. They began to stab the crackers in the back and bust them upside the head. Yes, they did. That's when Kennedy sent in the troops down in Birmingham. So, and right after that, Kennedy got on the television and said, this is a moral issue. That's when he said he's going to put out a civil rights bill. And when he mentioned civil rights bill and the Southern crackers started talking about they were going to boycott it or filibuster, then the Negroes started talking about what? We're going to march on Washington. March on the Senate, march on the White House, march on the Congress, and tie it up, bring it to a halt. Don't let the government...
government proceed. They even said they were going to go out to the airport and lay down on the runway and don't let no airplanes land. I'm telling you what they said. That was revolution. That was revolution. That was the black revolution. It was the grassroots out there in the street. Scared the white man to death. Scared the white power structure in Washington, D.C. to death. I was there. And they found out that this black steamroller was going to come down on the Capitol. They called in Wilkins. They called in Randolph. They called in these national Negro leaders that you respect and told them, call it off. Kennedy said, look, y'all letting this thing go too far. And old Tom said, boss, I can't stop it because I didn't start it. <laughs> I'm telling you what they said. They said, I'm not even in it. Much less at the head of it. They said these Negroes are doing things on their own. They're running ahead of us. And that old shrewd fox, he said, well, if you all aren't in it, I'll put you in it. I'll put you at the head of it. I'll endorse it. I'll welcome it. I'll help it. I'll join it. Very, a matter of hours went by. They had a meeting at the Carlisle Hotel in New York City. The Carlisle Hotel is owned by the Kennedy family. That's the hotel Kennedy spent the night at two nights ago. Belongs to his family. A, a philanthropic society headed by a white man named Stephen Currier called all the top civil rights leaders together at the Carlisle Hotel and told them, that by you all fighting each other, you're destroying the civil rights movement. And since you're fighting over money from white liberals, let us set up what's known as the Council for United Civil Rights Leadership. Let's form this council. And all the civil rights organizations will belong to it. And we'll use it for fundraising purposes. Let me show you how tricky the white man is. And as soon as they got it formed, they elected uh, uh, Whitney Young as the chairman. And who you think became the co-chairman? Stephen Currier, the white man. A millionaire. Powell was talking about it down at the Cobo today. This is what he was talking about. Powell knows it happened. Randolph knows it happened. Wilkins knows it happened. King knows it happened. Every one of that so-called big six, they know what happened. Once they formed it, put the white man over it, he promised them and gave them $800,000 to split up between the big six and told them that after the march was over, they'd give them $700,000 more, a million and a half dollars split up between leaders that you've been following, going to jail for, crying crocodile tears for, and they nothing but Frank James and Jesse James and uh, what you call it, brothers. <laughs>
leaders of the mind. Originally, they weren't even in the mind. You were talking this march talk on Hastings Street. Is Hastings Street still here? On Hastings Street. You were talking the march talk on Lenny Avenue. And down on, uh, what's it called, Fillmore Street. And Central Avenue. And 42nd Street. And 63rd Street. That's where the march talk was being talked. But the white man put the big six ahead of it. Made them the march. They became the march. They took it over. And the first move they made after they took it over, fighted Walter Luther, a white man, fighted a priest, a, uh, a rabbi, and an old white preacher. Yeah, the old white preacher. The same white element that put Kennedy in power, labor, Catholic, and liberal Protestants. Quick, to put Kennedy in power, join the March on Washington. It's just like when you've got some coffee that's too black, which means it's too strong. What you do, you integrate it. If you pour uh, too much cream in, you won't even know you ever had coffee. It used to be hot, it becomes cool. It used to be strong, it becomes weak. It used to wake you up, no. This is what they did with the march on Washington. They joined it. They didn't integrate it. They infiltrated it. They joined it. Took it over. And as they took over, it lost its militancy. They ceased to be angry. They ceased to be hot. They ceased to be uncompromising. Why, it even ceased to be a march. It became a picnic, a circus. Nothing but a circus. With clowns and all. We had one right here in Detroit. I saw it on television. With clowns and white clowns. I know you don't like what I'm saying, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Because I can prove what I'm saying. If you think I'm telling you wrong, you bring me Martin Luther King and A. Philip Randolph and James Byrne and those others. No, it was a sellout. It was a takeover. When James Baldwin came in from Paris, they wouldn't let him talk because they couldn't make him go by the script. Fred Lancaster read the speech that Baldwin was supposed to make. They wouldn't let Baldwin get up there because they know Baldwin liable to say anything. They controlled it so tight, they told those Negroes what time to hit town, how to come. Where to stop? What sign to carry? What song to sing? What speech they could make and what speech they couldn't make? And then told them to get out of town by sundown. And every one of those times where 
out of town by sundown. Now, I know you don't like my saying this, but I can back it up. It was a circus, a performance that beat anything Hollywood could ever do. The performance of the year. Ruther and those other three devils should get an a Academy Award for the best actors because they acted like they really loved Negroes and fooled a whole lot of Negroes. And the six Negro leaders should get a, or an award, too, for the best supporting cast. Man, that boy Malcolm hit hard, man. Get these boys in their chest, man. You know what I'm saying? Make you get your line. You see, when you when we talk about manhood in reflection to white manhood. These are two different categories. Mm-hmm. I'll be inclined to ask myself questions sometimes, and I feel obliged. But then again, I feel secure knowing that maybe the most secure image of manhood is coming from that of a black man. Because of Eurocentric history and a fascination with you know, Greek homosexuality, the European is incompetent to portray any form of manhood. And because the African is the first man on the planet, in 2016, he may be the only man on the planet. Mm. And to support my brother Bourne's clip, this is what our enemy, this is what our enemy feels about Malcolm X. Communism lies to the Negro. They say, we're for you. We sympathize with you. Our heart breaks for you. And then they use them viciously to destroy society and destroy civilization. They don't help him. Most Negroes are getting wise to this. The communists go in there and they use the Negro ruthlessly and viciously to destroy society, destroy the Negro, destroy everybody. And what does democracy do? Democracy, boy, what they preach. But I live right there in Washington, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and I can tell you that the ones that do the biggest preaching about mixing with the Negroes, those are the ones that live down there in the places where they can't even drive in there. They're not allowed anywhere near. Their kids don't go to Negro schools. They have nothing to do with them. It's pure hypocrisy, just as rotten as the communists. In fact, maybe more rotten. Democracy and communism in these respects are exactly the same. Nazism says to the Negro, We don't want to hurt you, we don't want to persecute you, but we feel that you're not culturally as mature as we are. We don't want you to live right next door to us. We tell the truth, the Negro, and most of you people, white people, if you're perfectly honest, but that's the truth, and you all know it. And yet when you get next to a Negro, you're afraid to tell him that. You're afraid you want to be real sociable and nice, so you lie to him. And all this does is hurt him and hurt you. There is one great Negro leader that I admire, and I understand that I hope I can be helpful in getting him here, and that's either Elijah Muhammad or Malcolm X. Now, these are great leaders. I wish to God we had one white leader with a stature of Malcolm X. Just one in our government. If you don't believe me, you wait till he stands up here and talks to you. That's a man. When you see that man, you'll see a man that'll stand up and talk to you, right up to you, 
square and fair. He won't cringe or kowtow or black time or anything else. And neither will he be arrogant. He's a man and he's a leader. Now, those are the kind of leaders that the Negro people need, not Arthur Spingarn of the NAACP or Marvin Rich. Of course, neither one of them who are black. As I say, I'm not going to go into any of the further details, but the Negro people need leadership by their own people. And they got them. Good leaders. And if we were back Elijah Muhammad and his type of leader, we will see the race problem solved. And that's what the Nazis say. Now, I could go, I've got some more here, but I haven't got time to go into all of them. What I'm trying to show you is that on every single point you take, economics, women, uh, any more things that I've gone into, race, spiritual ideas, business, communism, and democracy are basically the same thing. They talk a little different, but they do the same thing. Y'all heard that, right? That's coming from a fucking American Nazi. Man. He said, I wish we had more black, white leaders like Malcolm X. Up front, honest, a man. You want to solve the race problem in America? Give black leaders like a Malcolm X. Ain't no pussyfooting. One thing about the white man, he knows history, but the white man is loves a black man that can see paradise beyond which he hasn't created for you. Mm. Damn, this must be a sophisticated nigga. Why? This, this, nigga, this nigga has a detail of heaven that I ain't gave him. Huh? Anytime you're not intrigued by this trinket, so one thing we have to know that within the white culture itself is the hypocr- hypocrisy. You got white folks that's willing to address the issue and deal with it, and you got hypocritic crackers. Black Pop. You said, what's going on in the chat room? I said, I said, my phone finna die. I'm going to have to follow y'all in the chat room. I said, back out. Oh, okay. Okay. Black power. Like, well, we're going we gonna to go for a little while longer than I got, I got the last clip, which is, uh, you know, afraid to bleed. So, we've been, we been rocking at night. I, I like to I like to just say, man, piggyback on your on the last clip you said, man. We have to protect we have to protect our images and our and our movements, man. You know what I'm saying? That's what Brother Malcolm is talking about. How a radical movement, uh, a real revolutionary movement, can get just watered down. You know what I'm saying? Just watered down by these motherfuckers, and, and you know what I'm saying? I. I feel like that's not only happening with the movements, it's happening with the way they portray our leaders. It's happening with the way that motherfuckers is living and they uh, is trickling down to the way niggas living in their everyday life. You know what I'm saying? And I just say, man, we have to do a better job of of protecting those legacies, man. Protecting protecting those movements. Black power. Black power.
a word that should be defined by the oppressed. Right, I get it wrong. With that being said, though, we're going to go ahead and close down Brother Mikarage tonight. You got any closing words for the night? You know. Everything got a history to it. To speak on something without speaking on its history is to keep the people in a false state of reality. And that's what's going on right now. American culture is one that's based on mythology. And those who know American history are more successful in adopting and addressing American history because they know the history of it. Black power. With that being said, you know, we're going to close out the way that we come in. I'd like to tell y'all, though, to please show up. Full House Saturday, we're going to be getting it in uh, real tough. You know what I mean? We're going to be defining um, the roles of leadership. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be dealing with, you know, uh, is there, uh, is, you know, the, do we, is there a need right now for a one one person with a one strong voice, or is there a need for one strong message? How, what's the, what is the um, bridge that can be made between those two ideas? Because I think that both are needed, and just you know, just try to just um, you know make sure that we break through a lot of different um, information on how these things can help us out, man. Because we want to destroy. The, the lies that uh, keep us apart. We can't be, you know, as, as black people, we, we're we not people who uh, can't be led or not willing to be led, but this, nowadays we just have a, a, a more keener eye on what type of leader we're looking for. So, um, again, with that being said, you know, y'all tune in, Soda House Saturday. Come on in, it'll be 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 on the west side, the best side. Y'all line up in between. Uh, with that being said, though, we like to close out um, with, you know, with the usual, and as, uh, you know, as we came in earlier, you know, um, we're sending that black African love out to the sisters. And, uh, you know, we, we're waiting for it to touch down. With that being said, I'd like to say praise Nat Turner, glory to Garvey, long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad, praise Harriet Tubman, glory to Ida B. Wells, long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamer, or Bibi Fodier.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.